0: Hey there, listeners. In an effort to keep you entertained during the coronavirus crisis and all this quarantine that we're going through right now, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we're going to be re releasing some of our book reviews from the old podcast for your entertainment and your enjoyment. So, we're starting off this with our review of Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie Exposing the Nazi Roots of the American Left. And I can promise it is as crazy as it sounds. So starting off this week, you're going to get our introduction to Dinesh D'Souza and his writing, as well as chapters 1 and 2 of his book, The Big Lie. I hope you enjoy, and we'll be releasing more of these over the coming weeks in between our regular episodes with the new book review of Triggered, which we is ongoing right now, in addition The next chapter in Triggered, Chapter 7, is going to be released for patrons only over at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. So if you want to hear Chapter 7, you're going to have to become a patron for as little as $2 an episode and get all that awesome, amazing extra content and all those other perks. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You'll hear my voice say it again in a moment, but we hope you enjoy this. And remember, wash your hands, stay safe, and stay home you're listening to the not your grandmother's book club podcast where we read them so you don't have to like the show become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc you should write a book fry people need to know about the can eat more getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's
1: just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me.
0: Final segment this week, we start our reading series of Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie, ex-
1: which I don't have yet
0: exposing so. the Nazi roots of the American left. Well, it's okay that you don't have it. Well, it sounds,
1: yet. sounds interesting. It yeah. Sounds, well, we're. Sounds like it'll be a, a real barnstormer <laughs> of a read. We're not
0: going to start reading the book this week. I already have. I've uh, been okay, reading the book. Okay, I gotcha, got gotcha. But uh, what we're going to start with this week is we're going to talk about Dinesh D'Souza. We're going to talk about this book, some of his other books, some of his history. Uh, and we're gonna give some some general impressions of Dinesh's book. So,
1: let's try not to get sued for libel, though. That's my <laughs> only request. Like, I cannot afford to be sued for libel. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay.
0: So, uh, who is Dinesh D'Souza? That's an important question, right? So, Dinesh D'Souza, if you don't know, is a far right wing, um, heavy air quotes academic. Heavy mm-hmm. air quotes.
1: What you actually mean is Dinesh D'Souza is a convicted felon <laughs> who...
0: <laughs> that is absolutely true. Dinesh D'Souza is an Indian Alvin the Chipmunk who used his one wish to become human but forgot to ask to be one of the white ones. Right? That is Dinesh D'Souza.
1: So Dinesh D'Souza... <laughs> yeah, Aaron Aaron described him as a brown Mr. Bean. Yeah, I think that's even... Perfect, I, think, uh, I think that kills perfect. it. That kills it. He, he yeah, does look just like that. Yeah, that's the best description.
0: But uh, Dinesh D'Souza started off in the Reagan administration. Uh, I, I don't know what he did there. Apparently he didn't do much. He wasn't there for very long. He was a, a policy advisor of some kind uh, and, mm-hmm. and basically flunked out. But ever since then he has been writing books and that is his big thing. His big claim to fame. He writes books like Tyler Perry does Medea movies. There's like two a fucking year from this guy and they are ridiculous All right wing trash. So Here's a few of the books Dinesh D'Souza has written over the years for your perusal if you want to torture yourself like we're about to do. Uh, illiberal Education, The Politics of Race and Sex on Campus, The End of Racism in 1995. So I guess racism <laughs> ended in 1995. We don't need to worry about oh, it. Oh, yes. Anymore.
1: Famously, famously after Bill Clinton <laughs> was elected as the first black president. Yes.
0: Uh, what's So Great About America in 2002.
1: If you don't like it, go home. If you don't like it, go home. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, uh this is one of his best. The enemy at home, uh the cultural left and the responsibility for 9/11 from 2007. Where? Oh, where, no. Where, of course, no. It's the left's fault for 9/11. Yeah, he do, he went that's there. Bad. He fucking went
1: there. That that's uh, not good. What Oh, no. What's so
0: great about Christianity also came out in two thousand seven.
1: Oh, I see. I see these these are clever <laughs> rhetorical questions. Yeah, the answer to that I is see. nothing. I got I get you, I got you. Uh
0: Life After Death, The Evidence came out in two
1: thousand nine. I presume that was just one page of it being like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh in twenty ten he released The Roots of Obama's Rage. Which just is so melodramatic. Oh, my God. That's
1: like, oh, yeah, Black Rage. That's a novel. Well, that book, that
0: book, apparently, uh, and I just read a review of it. I didn't read it. Maybe we have to do that one in the future if this one's good enough. Uh, That book, The Roots of Obama's Rage, apparently goes into a whole lot of daddy issue stuff about uh, Obama's upbringing and his dad being Kenyan. And stuff like that. I don't know. It's a bunch of fucking right wing bullshit. It's basically conspiracy theory. And let's say Dinesh D'Souza is a conspiracy nut. He has been on Alex Jones's show. He is just mm-hmm. as bad. He is one of those guys. The only problem is he is considered an academic by the right.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, he first came to my attention as you know when I was watching a lot of um, like religious debates a few a few years mm-hmm. ago as as one of the people that debate, debated uh, Hitchens fairly often. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when he made this transition. It seems like he's transitioned like politics to religion to back to politics mm-hmm. again. No, no, his, um, his
0: um, politics is religion. That is Dinesh D'Souza's um, politics.
1: Yeah, but in terms of his major focus, of like his career focus, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, anyway,
0: in 2012, he released the book Obama's America, colon, Unmaking the American Dream. Uh, in 2013, What's So Great About God? continuing the what's so great series ah
1: I see he's moved away from Christianity yes. so, so he's uh, he's being more uh, mm-hmm. this is like Bill O'Reilly's oh killing
0: God series, those series. fucking we might have to do one of those what's books what's so great about we might Raven? have to what's do so one of about... those books oh ho, 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 that's horrible you sound like a
1: French chef oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2014
0: Dinesh D'Souza released America Imagine a world without her in 2015. Dinesh D'Souza released Stealing America, uh, which, of course, on the cover has Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. In 2016, Ooh. he released Hillary's America and the movie that went with that, uh, of which, which, of course, makes him think he is responsible for Donald Trump winning the 2016 election. And, of course, in 2017, the book we are reading right now, The Big Lie, exposing the Nazi roots of the American left, which I am so excited for
1: but it it just it just sounds like he is admitting his book is a lie like the big lie (laughs) the nazi roots of the american the best thing the best thing the
0: best thing about this book is this entire book is basically if you read it in a sarcastic voice it is an entirely different book it is so fucking (laughs) different and it is not even joking all the the chapter titles and the big title on the front of the book are written in that stylized, uh, what I can only describe as Nazi text, right? It's like Nazi font. It is fucking Nazi font.
1: Oh, like the SS font, like how you imagine... Yeah, it's basically like that. It's
0: fucking like, you imagine mix Bavaria and the SS lightning bolts, (laughs) and it's just, it's Nazi font. That is the only way to describe it. Um, If you happen to make it over to Dinesh D'Souza's Twitter profile, uh, you see, of course, some of the worst things you can imagine. All of his videos... Uh, are titled things like D'Souza Reveals Democrat Connection to Hitler's European Conquests. That is the one that is before me right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's all like a very basic, like, yes. Like, the answer to a lot of these criticisms is like, maybe. But the Democrats kind of changed in the 60s in case you weren't watching. Oh, we'll get into
0: that. That's in the book. <laughs> like, It's in the yeah. book.
1: No, I, I, I know, but I feel like that's the answer to a lot of his, like... Shtick is just like, yeah, but Mm -hmm. a cursory reading of any historical literature will disprove this in like 10 seconds. Well, this is something we're going to get to. We're
0: going to get into this into the book is that Dinesh D'Souza tries to pretend to be an academic in this book. He puts in footnotes. And I and most of them are news articles, which is you know not what you do in academia. Breitbart. He actually cites Breitbart articles. No. He fucking cites Breitbart articles. <laughs> All right, okay, I gotta read this. Book. Uh, oh yeah, you have to read it anyway. Come on.
1: I have I have so many. You books have committed that to this. I want to read. You have committed. I have a full shelf of books, and I have, you know. T- Teddy Roosevelt biographies <laughs> and, and Alexander Hamilton biographies. Wait, those have and... to wait,
0: because you don't get to escape this. You do not get to escape no. this. I'm not doing no, it on my no, own. No, i going to do it.
1: Know, uh,
0: Dinesh D'Souza, of course, put out a, a faded tweet uh, during the Obama presidency that uh, it was a picture of Obama taking a, a photo of himself with a selfie stick. Captioned, You can take the boy out of the ghetto, dot, dot, dot. Watch this vulgar man show his stuff while America cowers in embarrassment. Um, and then of course, backtracked shortly later saying, I know Obama wasn't actually raised in the ghetto. I'm using the term metaphorically to suggest his unpresidential conduct, like wearing a tan Ah, jacket. yes,
1: I'm sure he's been all (laughs) over (laughs) Donald
0: Trump. Oh yeah, of course, Dinesh. Oh, Oh, no, the name Dinesh is so associated with integrity, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, we, you know, we talked a little bit about who Dinesh is, we said went through his books, but, uh. I wonder if you know where he got his start. Uh, are you all aware? Of I do
1: not. So, I mean, you said the Reagan, the Reagan yes, administration. Yes, yes. But... So,
0: D'Souza went to Dartmouth College, uh, which uh-huh. is a uh, shitty little organization. Uh, I don't know if you know of Dartmouth, but it's it's a uh, garbage, it's, right, it's a garbage it? pile um, with really? yeah, full of burning tires. That's that's essentially what is it that is.
1: Actually, I thought it was a decent college.
0: Uh, no, because it's not as is it's Dartmouth not as good, good as my college. Dartmouth is good. You lie. Uh, Dartmouth, if you didn't know, is in New Hampshire, which everyone knows is the garbage pile of states.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, (laughs) I've never been. But anyway. But I think it's a good college. I think you're being harsh. I am being harsh.
0: But D'Souza went to Dartmouth, and he was part of the Dartmouth Review. He was an editor of a publication called the Dartmouth Review, which is a campus Mm -hmm. conservative publication. Now, during his time at the Dartmouth Review, and he graduated in 1983, Uh, The Dartmouth Review published an interview with a Ku Klux Klan leader accompanied by a doctored photo of a black student being lynched on campus. Oh, good. Yep. Uh, Ran an anti-affirmative action article written entirely in Ebonics and headlined, This show ain't no jive, bro. No. And, yep, and posted... Can we read that? I could not find it. No. I could not find it anywhere. I wish I could, but I could not find it. Did he write it? He did not write it, but he was one of the editors, okay. which means he had control over what was published in this paper, and he may have contributed to some of this. And he, oh, he definitely, he definitely contributed to this next item, where he posted a list of all the members of the Campus Gay-Straight Alliance, some of whom were still closeted. That's uh, bad. Doing that caused his then-classmate and future treas- Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner to to go up to D'Souza at a college coffee shop and ask him how it felt to be such a dick. (laughs) Which hats off to Timothy Geithner there. Uh That's good. That's really good. Um, After graduating there, he floated around from shitty little magazine to shitty little magazine, uh, eventually ended up working in the Reagan administration and then just writing his own terrible, terrible books. Uh He was the president of The King's College, not King's College, The King's College, Gotcha. which is located in uh, the uh, uh, Empire State Building uh, it is a private Christian college uh, for right-wing Christian college uh, as most of them are I don't think there's any non-right-wing Christian colleges are no, there
1: which is weird because Jesus would have been a socialist but that's fine yeah
0: yeah but uh, he was the president of the King's College until shortly after he was appointed he was caught with a woman claiming he sh- that she was his fiance when he was still married. Oh, Uh, and they did not like that, so he left that position. And uh, uh, look, look, I I am so excited for this book because Dinesh D'Souza, as far as I can tell from reading summaries of his other books, from reading uh, a a few excerpts from things he's written, is that Dinesh D'Souza will completely backtrack on anything he has said in the past if it supports his current argument. So Dinesh D'Souza, of course, wrote a book called "The End of Racism." claiming that racism is over. Uh, his book contains quotes like, the slaves were treated like property, that is to say, well. Uh, and of oh. course in this new book, this new book relies heavily on the idea that slavery was entirely a Democrat thing. Uh, I and mean,
1: that, well. There
0: were no Republicans yeah, until the that, 1860s.
1: There's, there's a lot of wordplay there and... Because, yeah. Look, there <laughs> were
0: no Republicans until the 18th We're, we're going to get into the When we read the book, what we hope we'll to get do, we're going to yeah. make fun of Dinesh D'Souza. We're going to make fun of Dinesh D'Souza a lot because cool. he is such a worthless pile of shit. And yeah, Aaron, we talked about over on his show, yeah, you have no free will and you're just a, a creature of circumstance and luck. Yes, I don't care. I want to make fun of Dinesh D'Souza. So we're going <laughs> to make fun of Dinesh D'Souza. But we're also going to argue against the bullshit he says. Yeah. Because I think it's important that somebody does that, right? If we're going to read this fucking thing, we're going to argue against his bullshit arguments. And the the great part about this, I started earlier saying that he uses footnotes. And he does cite some academic sources. And I think what he's relying on is that no one who ever reads this book has access to those academic sources. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I go to UC Berkeley, and I have access to every database in the history of mankind, That's every good. academic article and every fucking book he could possibly cite. So I will be checking up on his. I will
1: find them. I already I have
0: checked up on one of them, where the author of a book that he the most cited, uh, th- the most cited item in his book is a, a book on fascism.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there is an Mike art, an article in uh, a Mike uh, a website called Mike where the writer of that article found the guy who wrote that book on fascism and asked him what he thought of D'Souza's book. And the guy says, yeah, it's full of shit. Okay. <laughs> That's so, good. So, um, I am so excited for this book. It is yeah, going to be too. a lot of fun. We're going to get Except started. not
1: really, but we'll see.
0: Well, no. We're going to get started with chapter one next week, uh, and we are going to figure out something to do special just for our patrons, and so that we can hopefully encourage a few more of you to become our patrons at patreon.com forward slash Kevin and I think... What we might do is watch a few of Dinesh, one of Dinesh D'Souza's movies, uh, yeah. and <laughs> I see your look. I see the look on your face.
1: Yeah, it wasn't uh, good. I mean, we, no. we'll see what we do. We might do some of the chapters might be patron only. No, you know. no, I
0: think we have to do all the chapters. If we, no, we, we can not want money. No, people can, if people want all the chapters, they can't, can. can. But yeah, but it's just not. We can't do some chapters for everybody and some patron. Yeah, we I can. Think,
1: I think people the best thing. To,
0: no, I think the best thing to do is to do. Uh, do a movie review of one of his shitty movies. I think that's I disagree. The best thing we to can do. talk about this at some other okay. time. But anyway, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go into it. But I'm gonna go back into it. I'm gonna cut that out. I'm gonna go back into it. Yeah, you should uh, cut that out.
1: That was a private discussion. Yeah.
0: but I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a review of one or two of Dinesh D'Souza's movies, just for our patrons only. Uh, he is reportedly making a movie about this book, which. Cool. I think we will have to see when it comes out. I yeah, don't think we excited, can get away with not seeing that. I'm very excited
1: to waste my time on that. Time
0: <laughs> so this is going to be a lot of fun. I hope you will stick with us. This is going to be going over the next month or two while we read this book. It's nine chapters long, uh, so we'll probably do a chapter a week, uh, maybe skip a week here or there uh, when we want to fit in a guest or something, but we'll see how that goes. So I am very excited for this. I hope you all will stick around and stay with us during this. Um, All right, in the final segment this week, we are starting with the first chapter of Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie, Exposing the Nazi Roots of the American Left. And, I, uh, Benedict-
1: I, I have an alternative subtitle for, for okay. the book, and okay. it is The Big Lie, Why Ben Now Feels Much Better About Getting a Book Deal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he makes it look so easy.
1: It's he really bad. makes it, it look so it's, easy. It's, it's, it's not good, folks. It's not good. Oh, I've no. only read the oh. first chapter so far, but it's not good.
0: No, no, there's nothing good about this. Uh my art- alternative chapter title for this one uh for this chapter chapter 1 is uh you're the hitler's. Wait, I'm the hitler? No, I forgot who's the hitler.
1: Uh that is <laughs> <laughs> The the actual title is Return of the Nazis, but I think that's mm-hmm. this is a mu- which sounds like a rip off of Return of the Jedi. You, you
0: but, know, yeah. do you think you thought about that?
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. George Lucas You at least throw in, in a top. Luke
0: Skywalker. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Okay, so my worst thing for chapter one was he he basically took what could have been a one-line tweet that said, you know, people today kind of overuse the word fascist to Nazi when they don't literally mean that and turned it into an entire book saying, oh yeah, well, I'm going to say you're all literally Nazis.
1: Yeah, it it was very weird. I mean, the thing that annoyed me most, I don't know if it's the worst thing, it's just him going... I'm gonna list a load of liberal columnists that I disagree with, and here are all their names. But I'm not gonna engage with any of their arguments. But these are their names, like, (laughs) and they say, "Oh, look,
0: look how all these liberals never engage with the arguments of us." Yeah, exactly.
1: It's it's really it's really bizarre. Um, anyway, yeah,
0: I feel like all the the entire counter argument that you need for this book, this whole book. Is the question so? Which party does the Daily Stormer endorse? Yeah, that's exa- all exactly. the counter argument. Exactly. Need.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I have in my notes. We'll get to it later. Is it it's like you know what happened in the sixties, right? Like the Dixiecrats. You, you heard of them, right? And I think the answer is no. Like I'm pretty well either. Either it's no, or it's like yeah, but I don't care because the people reading this book haven't heard of them. So
0: absolutely. Anyway. not. Oh yeah. Uh, I, so anyway. Let's get should into we, it.
1: Should we jump into it? So the first section is, uh, there's, a, there's a lovely quote, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's from Walter Lacquer. And it's, although fascism seems to be dead, it could have a second coming in different forms, which I feel like D'Souza does not get the irony of. Um, <laughs> I feel like he's like, oh, look, the Democrats are fascist, But, you know, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I haven't looked up the context of that quote, but I'm pretty sure it's about the Republicans. I'm pretty <laughs> certain it's or about the very least, people it's about like the Re- Donald Re- Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's about Donald Trump. So anyway, we open with famously discredited psychologist Sigmund Freud. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the first, <laughs> the first line in the book. Um, is Sigmund Freud's most interesting cases involve people who did bad or destructive things and then shifted the blame onto others. I refuse to believe that Dinesh D'Souza has read any Freud. Um, <laughs> no, I think you he, know what he pick- did.
0: He, he yelled to his secretary, who's a famous smart person? Yeah. Got Freud and then Googled it, picked the first wiki quote that
1: came up. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. And I I mean, also, the other thing is like the thing he's talking about transference, that the reason Mm -hmm. he's talking about Freud is for something called about transference. And he's like, this is blaming other people for your problems. It's mostly not. It's mostly when you fall in love with your therapist. That's what transference actually is. Did you know that?
0: I did not know
1: that. I <laughs> so did So he's not like, know I'm going to define this term. Transference is where, like, you you think your therapist is fo- solving your problems and really gets you, so you fall in love with your therapist, despite I, the fact I they're do- just know doing that, their job. And
0: most of the women I've fooled around with in college have been psych majors, so I probably should. Shouldn't. Well, my <laughs> wife
1: was a psych major, and so she was. I was like, hey, he's talking about transference. Do so You know what that is? And she was like, yeah, it's when you fall in love with your therapist. <laughs> 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 it's like I don't think that's what he means, but I'll keep reading just in case.
0: Oh. And in this little bit about transference, he goes into the whole, you know, the the uh, uh, the person committing an offense blaming the victim, right? And my thought for for this was basically, Dinesh, you really want to stay away from talking about blaming the woman uh, for being a horror metaphor because that's what your side does.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like you know, that's what you do, right? Like that's that's when people get raped, that's what conservatives are. Well, what was she wearing, like? that it's, it's like bizarre. literally it's oh god
0: okay and so then next he goes into his whole thing about the big lie which he just basically takes straight straight out of mind comp right yeah which it, is his it whole sound, but it
1: sounds like he's describing his own book and then oh, he's no. like
0: <laughs> he doesn't get it he this no. book is like a graduate course in missing the fucking point that is this entire book
1: yeah but then he's like he goes on to say he said he says something about hitler he says hitler contrasts the big lie with little or ordinary lies and he quotes from Mein camp he says the great masses of the people more easily fall victim to the big lie than to a little one since they themselves lie in little things but would be ashamed of lies that were too big and then it's like anyway having said that about hitler here's my book about how democrats are nazis like you just (laughs) haven't got what you've just said like it's bizarre 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 like oh yeah it's People only believe big lies, but I wouldn't lie to you. Anyway, Democrats are Nazis. Here's my uh, here's my book on that. Like, what?
0: No, there's a great point we'll talk about later, where basically if you replace when he uses leftists or left with Jews, he's writing Nazi propaganda and he doesn't realize
1: it. Interesting.
0: It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So th- I want to bring up this quote right here, which is uh, where he's basically talking about this, what we just talked about, which is, in a sick inversion, the real fascists in American politics masquerade as anti-fascists and accuse the real anti-fascists of being fascists.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, also, I don't understand why he's not just like, oh yeah, they're communists because that's the more common. Like, I, 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 I guess this book is written to try and reverse the tables, right? Like, it would oh, we'll, be we'll much, get into it. It would be much Let- easier to to claim people were communists than do this weird convoluted like contortionist theory of like well actually if you hate fascism you're a fascist because you don't let people speak like what (laughs) communists also didn't like fascists just call us communists everyone would be happier everyone would be happier if you called us communists because like it's a little closer to my ideology than fascism (laughs) it's cool i'd be like yeah maybe i am a communist you know what maybe you have a point but i'm not a fascist
0: oh god. and later in this book he does get into trying to say fascism is socialism that's, oh, yeah, that's he does. another He's core like, part of
1: national socialism, socialism, mm-hmm. ha, 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 See? the yeah. words in there. logic, mm-hmm. motherfuckers, logic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we move on uh, in this book. And so uh, the next the next subheading, there's a bunch of subheadings in these chi- ti- uh, in these chapters. Uh, the next subheading is called the race card. Yeah. Uh, and he, he wrote a lot about this in his last book, which we did not read, which is called Hillary's America, which was turned into a documentary, which I'm still trying to get ben- Benedict to agree to watch with me. Um, we'll see how that goes. Come on, tweet him. Tweet at Benedict. No. Make him watch that. Do Make it. him watch it. Oh, I'm sure it's so bad. But yeah. uh, he writes in this in this section, I, like most of my fellow Republicans and conservatives, was a victim of the progressive paradigm embedded in all our institutions of culture, from academia to Hollywood to the media. In this case, the story that we had accepted like suckers was the idea that fascism and Nazism are inherently right-wing.
1: Oh, here we go, lads. Here we go. Ooh. Here comes the part, logic.
0: This is part of his obligatory Reagan shout-out. You know, he has to write about Reagan. It's a conservative book. You have to bring him up.
1: Yeah, and also, he it, it's like... Oh, he saw the uh, he's talking about Reagan is like he saw the affinities between fascism and the New Deal. What? The New Deal, (laughs) like famously, the most socialist program America has ever seen. It comes from fascism. And I know where this is going to go. He's going to be like, hey, Mussolini used to be a socialist before he was a fascist, you know. So socialism leads to fascism. I know that's where he's going to go. I haven't read the rest of the book, but I bet he says that. I bet oh yeah, oh yeah. That. The whole part of his argument on that
0: end, on the on the economics end, is that well, fascists wanted more control over industry, so they're socialists, that right? Which is such a stupid fucking argument, right? Fascist. Okay, we 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 haven't talked about this quite yet. His definition of fascism is so problematic, but fascism can. It, there's so many different definitions out there. There's no accepted definition of fascism. It's more commonly. Uh, uh, A series of characteristics that we look at when we're trying to determine whether something is fascistic or not. Things like authoritarianism, nationalism, militarism, racism. Those are the usual attributes we attribute to fascism because it's the easiest way to describe what it is. Uh, And he throws that out and creates his own definition that allows him to just say the left are all a bunch of fascists and Nazis.
1: Yeah. I, I, and, and so, yeah, we, we move on. To say, he was saying, my goal was to strip away the race card from the Democrats, a card that's been successfully played against Republicans for a generation. There's a reason for that. Um, <laughs> and he's saying, incredibly, the Democrats had taken full credit for the civil rights movement, even though Republicans are the ones who got it passed. Remind okay. me he was president when the when the civil rights movement went through. Oh, let's see. Are you talking
0: about the 1964 Civil Rights Act? I am. Is that what yeah, you're talking yeah, yeah. about? That's, because that's he just I... says got civil rights. He doesn't even say got civil rights passed. He says got it passed, not referring to anything in particular. I'm assuming he's talking about the 1964 yeah. Civil Rights Act, which uh, let me just say, introduced by Emanuel Seller, a Democrat from New York, mm-hmm. passed by a Democrat-controlled House, passed by a Democrat-controlled Senate, and signed by a Democrat president, Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, After course, which
1: the Democrats committed to losing the South for many generations.
0: Yeah, and you may recall this little thing called the 1964 presidential election, in which Barry Goldwater, the Republican, opposed the Civil Rights Act and yeah. was endorsed by the Klan. Yeah, it's, it's I, just so convenient to overlook these things. So people look, shouldn't I, I, be
1: allowed to publish this shit. Like this is literally fake history. Literally, like that, no. I,
0: that's li- hey, look, look. Let's let's let me let me. I will try when I can to give Dinesh the benefit of the doubt. When you look at the percentages of Democrats and Republicans who voted for the Civil Rights Act of 1964 in the House and the Senate, a higher percentage of Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act than the percentage of Democrats who voted for the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. There were Republicans who voted against the Civil Rights Act. But I will say again, Democrat-controlled House, Democrat-controlled Senate, Democrat president— I think you gotta give some credit where it's due here. Democrat
1: introduced bill, yeah. It would be like being like, I don't know. I, I guess is that be saying <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's not a good example, but it, was, it would be like me being like, well, Democrats repealed the Dodd Frank law because like nine of them voted for it, and that got yeah. across the line. Like, oh god,
0: makes weird. no sense. Anyway, weird. moving on. Uh, the next, the next big topic he goes into. Well, hold on. i bragging I also, on himself.
1: I also want to say, yeah, he he says so. He goes. He says that like. Uh, He says when he's talking about Hillary's America, he says, Mm -hmm. I noted that in 1860, the year before the Civil War, no Republican owned a slave. All the four million slaves at the time were owned by Democrats. Yes, Dinesh, because the Republicans sprang up as literally the anti-slavery party. They were one. They were one issue party at the time they formed in 1854 as an anti-slavery faction of the whigs that attracted some anti-slavery democrats so obviously no one in the anti-slavery party (laughs) owned any slaves that would be really dumb dinesh you are the only person who i can imagine being in a single issue party but being against that single issue because i think you might not understand how words work
0: Well, you know, honestly, I bet you could find a Republican or two who owned a slave. They probably were out there because the Republican Party had a large contingent of what were called free soilers, uh, which Mm. were people who uh, uh, didn't necessarily have a problem with slavery. They didn't want slavery expanding into the West because they thought slavery would interfere with their ability to compete in the economy. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, you may not be aware uh, he gave a, I believe it was either his first or second inaugural address, where he, or it was his second inaugural address, I'm pretty sure, where he said, "If I could have saved the Union by freeing all the slaves, I would have done it. If I could have tra- slave, saved it by freeing none of the slaves, I would have done it. If I could have saved it by freeing some of the slaves and leaving others enslaved, I would have done it." So Abraham Lincoln was not necessarily even that hard, that heavy on the anti-slavery train. Mm-hmm. We're going to try – we're trying to point out the inconsistencies in this argument where it is, but it's hard because it's so ridiculous. It's so dumb. It's so bad. So anyway, the next, next section he gets into is basically praising himself.
1: Yeah, talking about how
0: how his book Hillary's America was a number 1 New York Times bestseller and yeah. he complains about how it didn't get more media attention.
1: Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, and he's he's giving himself credit for getting Trump elected, which is really funny. It, it, but like in the same way that Trump talks, he's like many people credit it with getting Trump elected. Let me find the exact quote. Many people credit it with motivating Republicans and persuading undecideds and thus helping Trump get to the White House. That literally doesn't pass the Wikipedia test. That's no. like citation needed on that one, Dinesh. Many, many, many people, people say it. What does that many mean? Be- <laughs>
0: <laughs> many people say is the level of citation you get in a Twitter battle with an anti vaxxer That's the level it's Yeah, at.
1: I mean it it's literally Trump talk. Like a lot of people are saying like you you mean you're saying. That's what you're you're trying to give your opinion but like get anything cover your ass by saying many people are saying basically. It's okay, weird. and he
0: he engages in explicit whataboutism. Explicit mm-hmm. whataboutism where, where he says at one point in this chapter uh, the Democrats pl- tried to play the race card after the election. They tried to attempt to halt the nomination of Jeff Sessions as a Trump's attorney general. Decades ago, the charge went. He said some racist things. Yes, comma. But what about Robert Byrd? <laughs> Literally, he just says, but what about? Doesn't try to address the racist things that Jeff Sessions says. Just no. says, well, what about? Oh, That's okay. true. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Next, the next section uh, is entitled Reductio Ad Hitlerum. Oh, uh, famous,
1: famous Latin phrase. Mm-hmm.
0: It's really dumb. And let's say, let's, let me say, in this chapter, I can agree with a, a general sense of what he should have said. What mm-hmm. he should have said. Not what he said, but what he should have said. Which is that the terms fascist and Nazi get way overused in our society today, right? Those just get tossed out like they mean nothing, mm-hmm. right? We call, you know, everybody gets called a Nazi. And that is ridiculous, right? We should try to not resort to just ad hominem attacks and hyperbole like that we should absolutely yeah, try to not do that
1: i i agree with that but also like his uh, his quote in the first paragraph of this this chat is this, this chapter is like quote nowhere was this better illustrated than in the response of several hollywood figures to trump's election and inauguration like Ah yes, the leading thinkers of society. Like who gives a fuck what the what Hollywood is saying? Like you can't write a political polemic and be like I disagree with the actors and actresses of Hollywood and therefore I am smart. Like no. Like there are smart people in Hollywood, but they're not like the political voice of this of the generation. Like it's really dumb.
0: So one of the things he brings up in this chapter is that out here in wacky California, where foolishness is abundant, he writes, we hear of food Nazis, health Nazis, and yeah. surf Nazis. I, I've and never, actually have
1: writes, you, I, I I put this in the script. Have you ever heard of any? I've only been to California once, so I've never met a food <laughs> Nazi. Have you ever <laughs> met a food Nazi, Kevin?
0: I've heard of a soup Nazi,
1: but that's uh, an yeah. entirely different thing. <laughs> what, what about a, a surf Nazi? <laughs> have you ever heard no, of a surf Nazi? No, I don't think I have. A health I Nazi? I a health <laughs> I a health, I've heard of a grammar no. Nazi. But I've never heard yeah. of any other type of Nazi. It's very strange. Look,
0: like, I, like, right, food Nazi. It's meant as a, a, it's facetious. It's a joke, calling someone a food Nazi, right? Saying, oh, yeah, they want to control what we eat, or they, you know, whatever the fuck it is. It's ridiculous. But he actually writes this sentence, where he says, Nazism, in these cases, appears to be a qu- a positive quality,
1: indicating commitment, which no... It fucking doesn't. Yeah, it's like you're way too into this. Stop it. It's a way of saying these people are being dicks. Yeah. I feel exactly like you might exterminate is. a race in order to get some quinoa. Maybe chill.
0: Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> quinoa. That sounds good <laughs> for lunch. Quinoa. Where can I get some Nazi quinoa?
1: That's what <laughs> This is so weird. And, and like, You know, Hitler was a
0: vegetarian. The... Hitler was a vegetarian. And so a not And loved Nazi food.
1: The argument... <laughs> The and and he played the bassoon,
0: the so technically he is the Hitler of music.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh,
0: I love Silicon Valley. I'll quote it whenever I can.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know who he's talking about. And then he just again, as I say, he begins to list left-wing commentators to go along with, with his weird list of Hollywood actors and actresses. Oh, by the way, it's pretty, it, it, Like he writes about RuPaul in a way that I, makes me think he wants RuPaul sent to a concentration camp. <laughs> Like, there's some undercurrent there. Oh, Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. When he writes about RuPaul in here, I get the sense that he intentionally tried to use the wrong pronoun for RuPaul without realizing that RuPaul goes with by he and just doesn't give a fuck what you call him, I guess. What is the point? What is the point of that? Yeah, and I see this a lot. I see this a lot, and it's really infuriating for people on the right who who dead name who use the wrong pronouns. It's a huge problem. Fuck these people. That's all that needs to be said is fuck these people. Yep. I don't give a, I don't give a fuck about them. Fuck them.
1: Yep.
0: Anyway, uh, so and th- so the the gist of this part of the chapter is you're right. A bunch of lists of examples. Of people saying, you know, Trump is like a Nazi or Trump is a fascist or Trump has tendencies that are sort of fascist. I mean, things yeah, like at that. least
1: at least he he acknowledges that no one is trying to say that he's like 1944 Hitler. He's like he, he does acknowledge that we're saying he's early 1930s Hitler of like trying to that there are some authoritarian tendencies in there, let's say um
0: well thanks Dinesh
1: thanks for the yeah, distinction exactly that but you're yeah, totally
0: gonna backtrack on later it's
1: really weird because then he's like oh well if we say we're a Nazi state some of it, it could have uh, it, it's not fair on us because it could have implications for diplomatic relations like he's doing the victim blaming thing like it's not our fault like people can see for themselves they're not like oh well this random celebrity says he's a Nazi so he must be a Nazi and that affects our diplomatic relations no Trump's actions affect our diplomatic relations
0: Uh, So you're right. This entire section is basically listing Democrats who've said mean things about Trump. But the weird part is he also brings up a bunch of Republicans who said the same sort of thing about Donald Trump, who compared Donald Trump to fascists and to Hitler, of course. So he brings up John McCain, uh, Todd uh, uh, Christine Whitman, uh, a bunch of Republicans or I'm sorry, Meg Whitman, uh, the former New Jersey governor christine todd whitman and others who sa- basically said the same things that people on the left were saying that donald trump is a, a proto-fascist is what the yeah. new york times conservative columnist ross du i don't give a yeah. fuck if i pronounce that
1: right do Yeah, he,
0: that's it's what he said. Uh, yeah and then and then robert <laughs> uh, Kagan, then he, who's a conservative he, historian said this is how so, fascism comes to america
1: but then he goes on to say when multiple people in your own party say you're a fascist that makes it seem that you're a fascist yeah, Dinesh. Yeah it does. <laughs> that's the point. And then he refutes
0: the arguments of these Republicans by starting a new paragraph that is entirely about nothing to do with that. That's his reputation. Yeah.
1: Hit return. His next, paragraph starts, deals with it. his next paragraph starts the left. Like he says, these are what the Republicans say and then it's like the left. Like I'm not gonna refute any of this. That's cool. Yeah. And in this chapter, he also, he
0: lists a whole bunch of really good historians who are comparing Trump to Hitler. He just, a whole bunch of really good historians, and then just completely ignores all that, just moves on. Just moves on. Oh, God, it's so ridiculous. All right, so next section is subtitled, Not Our President. And I I wrote at the beginning here, his writing has no flow to it. It is choppy. It is hard to read. And my theory on writing is that writing should be an improved version of the way you speak. Because Mm -hmm. when you speak... You sometimes repeat a word. You, ha- you don't have the time to think of the, pro- the, the, the perfect uh, words that you want to use. So writing should, ha- should be an improved version of your speech because you have the time to sit there and look at it and think about it and make it flow better. And he just has the absolute worst prose. It is absolutely I horrendous. mean, have you heard him speak? It might be an
1: improvement <laughs> on how he speaks.
0: Well, <laughs> no, that's also very possible. But anyway, so he he brings up in this section that the recounts – he says that the recounts uh, ended with Trump gaining votes and, of course, did not mention that Hillary gained votes in the Michi- Michigan recount and both of them lost votes in Nevada's recount, mm-hmm. uh, which of course this, – this it's a continuing thing. I know we're going to see this throughout the book is – Bringing up one side of a thing without bringing up the other side. Yeah, I mean, ignoring the part that's not convenient.
1: He says, and I quote The Democratic left launched an unprecedented crusade to present his assuming office. No, they didn't. That's silly. No one was actually trying to prevent him assuming office. People were a little shocked that he won and wanted to check, but no one, no one tried to stop him assuming office. Also, pretty sure half the South seceded to stop Lincoln <laughs> assuming office. <laughs> that's so exactly what I, I fucking put in the notes. <laughs> I feel, fi- I feel like that's that's the maybe the precedent there. This maybe isn't exactly unprecedented. He, he also is- acknowledges that later. He's like, maybe Lincoln had a bit of a harder time. We're like, okay, so you know the history, but you're just choosing to ignore it when it's convenient
0: oh god it's it's ridiculous so in this in this section, he says, and this is the part that just infuriates me, and we have talked about this before, right, where Republicans treat elections and electoral politics like a game rather than as a duty and responsibility. And Mm -hmm. he goes into this whole analogy over Donald Trump losing the popular vote and winning the electoral college where he compares it to a tennis match where you win the majority of matches but in the end uh, you had less points than the other person but you won by the rules of the game. And he says that, that exact quote, Trump prevailed by the rules of the game. It is not a fucking game. That is what annoys me so much. It's not a fucking game. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, he has a bit and he also has a bit uh uh in the next paragraph on Russia, which as you noted in our notes, has aged
1: really badly. Yeah. <laughs> So let me read it. I've got it here. So finally, the left sought to discredit the election by saying the Russians rigged it. They rigged it supposedly by hacking into Hillary's private server. No proof was ever provided that the Russians did this. And why would the Russians (laughs) prefer Trump over Hillary? One of Trump's first actions in office was to launch a military strike against Russia's ally, Syria. So the very concept of the Russians weighing the scales in favor of Trump makes little sense. That is all that he says about the Russians in this whole chapter. It has not held up well after indictment after indictment and arrest after arrest. It's not going well. Also, I'll let you talk about the serious stuff because I see you've written a note on it. Yes, yes. How bad is that
0: argument? Why would the Russians have preferred Trump before the election when he did something months after the election that, you know, was a little upsetting to them?
1: Yeah. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Because you know Hillary would have done worse. She, I mean, she is...
0: Oh, of course. Of course. And look, let's, that that whole argument, why would Russia have preferred Trump? There are numerous reasons why Russia would have preferred Trump. Because Trump is anti-NATO. Because Trump would have divided the... And has d- divided the American public. They wanted to sow discord in the United States. That is their entire goal. Yeah. Of course the Russians preferred Trump. Oh, God, that, that argument is just so stupid.
1: Okay, so then, yeah, I got, I got on uh, to the next bit, which was kind of worrying. And it's like, he says, he's talking about how the military tried to stop Trump taking office in a weird way. And he's saying, oh, well, you know, the generals were talking insubordination. And all he quotes the person, and the person literally said, like, if Trump ordered me to do something crazy, maybe we'd have to do something about that. Yeah, I don't think it was that. I think it was a commentator said something like that. Like if if someone said something crazy, the military shouldn't obey him. And he read that as like calling for a military coup.
0: And he keeps going back throughout this chapter. He keeps going back to something he has already dealt with, which is Democrats said mean things about Trump and called him a Nazi. And he just keeps going back to he's not trying to make a new point. He just keeps going back with new examples and saying, yeah. oh, Snoop Dogg did a mean video where he, you know, shot Donald Trump and blah, 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 did a whole song called Fuck Donald Trump mm-hmm. and blah, it's just the same thing over and over again. Yes, most of the country does not like Donald Trump. We're going to yeah. say mean things about him because we don't like him.
1: Yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, all right, let's talk about the the Nazi meetings. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> yes, 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 So So uh, he goes into this this part of the chapter where he talks about uh, what was happening in uh, the 1920s and 1930s in Germany. And he, what he's trying to do is compare Antifa to the Nazis. He's trying to basically say that Antifa are Nazis. That's his whole thing. And so he says, quote, Hitler describes in Mein Kampf how brown shirts would come to political events typically held in bars and beer halls armed with bats and sticks. The communists might outnumber us, he writes, but in order to stop our meetings, they are going to have to kill us. I don't think he realizes that in that analogy,
1: the Richard Spencers are still the Nazis. Yeah, Antifa are the communists. I feel like they're pretty open about being anarcho-communists.
0: Yeah, no, I feel feel like, like
1: I said, graduate course in missing the fucking point. Again, like, call us communists. Your book would be much better. Like, people also don't like communists. Why not just say we're communists? I don't get it.
0: You, you could have easily read a book saying Democrats are, are communists and just point out the left wing of the party and ignore everyone closer to the center. Great. You could have done that. Would have been so easy for you, Dinesh. S- let me write your outline for your next book, Dinesh. Let me do it. Just let me work on that for you. Mm-hmm. I could totally do this. But he goes into this thing, this next section, where he completely uncritically cites Project Veritas.
1: Yeah. He's, and he, the, he's saying later a group called Pro- Project Veritas, who he doesn't say who that is, nor mm-hmm. does he say who, who, the, who runs it. He says, Convicted felon. Yeah, released as is, Dinesh D'Souza. We should point out, yes. <laughs> released videotaped evidence that the Hillary campaign and leftist groups had paid protesters to provoke violence at Trump rallies. And as you you noted in the notes, that he very much downplays the violence at Trump rallies by the Trump oh, yeah. supporters.
0: Yeah, the times that Donald Trump was basically encouraging his followers to hurt the protest, and the fact that one of Donald Trump's supporters filed a lawsuit blaming Donald Trump for encouraging him to violently attack a protester. Yeah. Right? I feel like that would be a piece you would want to include in here. Yeah. But probably. right, you're right. He, he he talks about this Project Veritas video which uh, if you don't remember this, this was back during the campaign when Project Veritas uh, whenever you watch these Project Veritas videos, they don't even try and hide their edits. No. Right? And they never release the full video. That should be a huge clue that they never released the full video. Um, because they selectively edit the shit out of these things yeah, to make them yeah. look way worse than they are. Yeah, And what happened they, was there was, there was one person— They did that with person, Planned
1: Parenthood, CNN, mm-hmm. all yeah. that
0: stuff. There was one person who was talking to um, uh, this Project Veritas about how he would go to a Trump rally wearing an anti-Trump T-shirt and maybe say some anti-Trump things. That That yeah. was all you had to do. You just wear an anti-Trump shirt and they will attack you. Uh, and so, look, that's great. Um, and then they make up this thing about them being paid to do that. There's no evidence of that. This one person worked for a group that got paid $1,600 for some work for the Hillary campaign. And they just say, oh, that must have been for this. Yeah, um, weird. That, but, but, but what I love in here, what I love in here is in the, on the next page where he talks about Milo Yiannopoulos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he brings up, you know, the, all the – everything that went on out here in Berkeley, which of course – I was here for, uh, and, and let me say, he makes it look, he makes it sound like there were just mobs running through the streets of Berkeley, attacking everyone they can see and destroying everything. There was like at the most 40 people breaking shit at the most. And the rest were a bunch of students standing out on the grass and chanting. And that was yeah. it. Okay. There were a few windows Exercise that got smashed. In their right to free speech. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, whenever there's something like this that happens with the the conservatives, when you have the Charlottesville rally where there's people who are being violent there, they say, well, you can't make these people stop exercising their free speech just because some of them are being violent. It's the same exact thing. But he talks about Milo and he says, uh, in reality, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos is a conservative provocateur and comedian. He is flamboyantly gay, proclaims himself a dangerous faggot, Quote. And, quote, <laughs> uh, and calls Trump daddy. While he bashes Islam for its vicious suppression of women and homosexuals, he has no association with fascism or Nazism. But now does I have an like association say,
1: with Infowars. W- well, I girls. would like
0: to say also has an association with the fucking Daily Stormer, which is very much a fucking Nazi publication. Right, I, I, this that fucking I love that BuzzFeed piece. I want st- to I want to post that again because if you didn't see it when it came out originally, BuzzFeed broke a whole bunch of emails between Milo and various people,
1: and has uh, video his, of him singing "America the Beautiful" while people Nazi while, salute in the crowd,
0: while Richard Spencer Nazi salutes five feet from his face,
1: but he didn't oh, see it was, allegedly.
0: Yeah, of course, of course he didn't see it because he was just walking around in public without being able to see anything. Okay, and I, and I want to say he he uses all this this part of the chapter to again try and compare the anti-fascists to the Nazis because they wore helmets and brought bats. Okay, so I do we get to say the same about the people who came for the fucking March for Trump rally, those Trump supporters who came to commit violence? That was their purpose. I was there. They came because they wanted to hurt people. That was the entirety of that fucking thing. It wasn't about free speech, but. Uh, Let's move on to the next part of this chapter, which is called A Rationale for Violence.
1: This is the final. Oh, no, not quite the final part. Not quite the final, but we're almost there. Which is called Learning from Hitler, which...
0: Yeah, correct. (laughs) So in this part, he recognizes the fact that the entire, and I got to put this in quotes, intellectual wing of the conservative movement uh, refused to support Donald Trump. And then acts like that doesn't mean anything. I got to say... When all of what tiny little amount of brain power you have left in the Republican Party says, oh, fuck, anybody but this guy, maybe you made a mistake.
1: Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a problem there.
0: <laughs> and he, he talks about these not my president's day marches, uh, which I looked these up and I, I had never heard about them. I was not familiar with them because no. uh, I only remember the March for Trump thing. Mm-hmm. The only violence I could find were 13 arrests in Portland. One that that included a 66-year-old woman and a 14-year-old girl that Mm -hmm. were arrested. uh, Presumably just because the police did one of those sweep arrests where they grab the first people they can get to. But I do want to talk about the March 4 Trump rallies that I already mentioned, which uh, he says were violently interrupted. They were not violently interrupted by the Antifa coming there. Both sides came just to fight. That was the entire fucking thing. And we've denounced violence by both of these groups before, right? I think yeah. Antifa's a bunch of fucking stupid people who who shouldn't, should, you know, you shouldn't be out there trying to hurt people. You just shouldn't be doing that. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of everybody's time. It provides bad optics. And it provides Dinesh
1: D'Souza the ammunition to write fucking books like this. I Ugh. think he'd write them anyway, but that's okay.
0: He still would. He still would. Uh, And and of course, in this in this chapter, he completely avoids the fact that most Democrats echoed exactly what I just said, which that we denounce this violence and we want this shit to stop. Right. Mm -hmm. That is overwhelmingly what most people said. But he completely acts like that didn't happen. Um, He also he gives us a sneak peek. At what's coming later, including our re-education program for our denazification, which will Fun. be the last chapter. I'm Fun. so excited to read I that. I can't wait. I,
1: w- I can't wait to be re-educated through labor. Oh,
0: oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Uh, he also brings up in this part uh, Friedrich Hayek, who, oh, was a, yeah, who was a writer <laughs> who basically called welfare, uh, welfare capitalism Nazism. And then he brings up a political scientist named Hermann Feiner. Uh, who criticized Hayek, and I have to say, Herman Feiner taught at UC Berkeley. Great guy, uh, I believe. I believe Hayek did as well. Uh, if I'm familiar, I think they, I think they might have both taught at UC Berkeley. Um, but Herman Feiner, Herm, Herman Feiner, who criticized Hayek as having quote Hitlerian contempt for the democratic man, and then Dinesh says Feiner did the usual progressive attack by crying Hitler and not bothering to deal with Hayek's argument. What Dinesh leaves out there. Is that Herman Feiner wrote an entire book called <laughs> The Road to Reaction, which was a refutation of Hayek's
1: claims. And Dinesh I is engaging don't... with neither argument. I'm just pulling a, a Google quote search. From each yeah. A
0: Google search told me that. Yep. I know Dinesh has Google well... because that's how he gets all of his citations.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's, oh. very, it's very weird. And it's like, it, yeah, he talks about Jonah Goldberg a bit as well, which is weird. Who isn't um, just an ignorant, contemptible twat waffle. Yeah, but even like, Jonah Hayek, Goldberg. Hayek and Goldberg are the starting point for my book. Like, maybe don't yeah. write the book then. Goldberg wrote a book called Liberal Fascism. Mm-hmm.
0: And even Jonah Goldberg refused to endorse Trump, calling him dangerous to the country. Right, Jonah Goldberg, who writes for the National Review, uh, which I believe has removed Dinesh D'Souza from its masthead at this point. I'm pretty sure they have Good. by now. Um, and I fucking love this paragraph. He's re- he writes, Goldberg associates the American left with fascism, but he does not dare make an equivalent equivalent link with Nazism, probably because he doesn't want to risk associating the left with genocide and concentration camps. This is where my book actually takes off. <laughs> <laughs>
1: very good and yeah he's again goes back to the democrats and like oh see the democrats used to be racist so you know racism in the democratic party and it's like he's using jackson and like the anti-native american stuff to discredit democrats even though most democrats reject jackson and bannon literally modeled trump after jackson he's trying yes. to use jackson as a as a stick to beat the the democrats with and as you've said the republican party love andrew jackson now because trump told them jackson's great so yeah which i weird. wrote
0: all in uppercase in our notes <laughs> yeah you did that's oh true. that is that is so ridiculous that is and so yeah, fucking the, ridiculous.
1: the comparison of a plantation to a concentration camp from a guy who argued in a previous group book that slaves were treated well like yes you can't you yes. can't have it both ways dinner. this is what i'm talking you where,
0: where Dinesh avoids any argument he has previously made, if if it is inconvenient at the moment, and yeah. then will later pull it back up and use it again when the argument has changed or yeah, when he has lost ground. And now
1: we get we we get the first the first hint that he thinks uh, Nazism is socialism.
0: The final section of this chapter, which is called
1: "Learning from Hitler," uh, <laughs> a guide for Republicans. <laughs> uh, so anyway, in it's, this part, that, um, that that last bit's not real. <laughs> no.
0: No, it should be, though. But, it could be, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in this part, he you know he talks about um, uh, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, and John F. Kennedy, uh, all of whom he claims the Nazis adored. And Woodrow Wilson, of course, was a racist asshole.
1: Yeah, uh, no, no one's disputing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and he, he cites this thing that you wanted me to look up, and I did look into this, uh, where he wrote about JFK wrote in his diary uh, some things that seemed to be praising Nazism. And I I looked up the citation that Dinesh provides, and his citations, I should say, are atrocious. Uh, They are academic sin, the way he cites and doesn't cite some things he should be citing. But what he's citing is an article in The Intercept, which is citing an article in Der Spiegel, which is citing a book that was released in German. So that is is horrific. That is academic sin.
1: just, Just cite the book, man.
0: Uh, but also in that in that article, in The Intercept, uh, it is not portrayed in the way that Dinesh makes it sound. Uh, it's portrayed like JFK wrote some things which, he, the quote that, that he dwells on here is uh, this one that says, uh, Hitler will emerge from the hate that now surrounds him and come to be regarded as one of the most significant figures to have lived. And according to the article in The Intercept, he didn't write that as praise of Hitler, he meant significance in the literal term, as he yeah. is a significant human being who has changed the course of the
1: world. Which is true. That's right. Yeah, as in that, no, that, that that's happened. absolutely right. So.
0: Uh, and so in, in the last part of this book, the last thing we're going to talk about, which is uh, uh, two things. He, he brings up Margaret Sanger and eugenicists, which they love. Uh, and Margaret Sanger, of course, they, they love to say is just a total Nazi eugenicist, blah, blah, blah when her views were very different than the prominent eugenicists of the time, uh, and she very much thought it was people's own choice to decide whether to have children or not. That was her big push. Um, and the other thing I get, I don't get is this idea that there is a conspiracy within the Repub- within the Democratic Party to hide the past of the Democratic Party, that the Democratic Party just doesn't talk about it, that academia doesn't talk about it, that the media doesn't talk about it because they're trying to hide something. When literally... Everyone knows that the Democratic Party ran the South when the Civil War happened, that they were the party of slavery. Everyone knows that. It's just that they're not that now. Then is not now. I should not have to tell him.
1: Yeah. Also, the the other weird thing is like he says, think about this. We know the name of the philosopher of capitalism, Adam Smith. We also know the name of the philosopher of Marxism, Karl Marx. So quick, what is the name of the philosopher of fascism? Yes, exactly. You don't know. No, Dinesh. You don't know. How about Nietzsche? How about Heidegger? Like, all these people that were associated with the Nazi movement. Like, just because you don't know something doesn't mean we don't know, Dinesh.
0: Oh, God. And in in this chapter, there is a point where he starts saying, the left controls the media. They control academia. They control... If he would have said the banks, it would have been the perfect (laughs) trifecta. It It would have been replace it with Jews and you have Nazi propaganda.
1: Yeah, exactly. But anyway...
0: That is the end of chapter one of
1: roller coaster, man. The
0: Big Lie. That I am I am excited to get on to chapter two next week because this was basically an intro, uh, but we're hopefully going to be... I'm hoping Dinesh actually presents his arguments next week, which I'm Yeah, we'll I'm see. Not, we'll see. It's not going to happen. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And this week we start with Chapter Two of Dinesh D'Souza's book, "The Big Lie," exposing the Nazi roots of the American Left. We're splitting Chapter Two in twain, if you will,
1: in twain,
0: lovely, <laughs> because it's lovely. quite the long chapter. So we decided we would do the first half of the chapter this week.
1: It's not. It's, it's not even that much longer. There's just a lot more. There's shit a lot in of bullshit it to, to unpack. To yeah.
0: So we figured we split it in two. We're doing the first half this week, second half next week. So, Benedict, this chapter is named Falsifying History by Dinesh D'Souza. What would be a better title for this chapter?
1: So I've written down chapter two, how if you take my exact definition of right and left and my exact definition of Nazis, then the left are, in fact... Nazis. Very
0: good, very good. Last right. week I called that chapter a graduate course in missing the fucking point. Uh, this mm-hmm, week point. I'm calling this chapter a master class in misrepresentation. Yeah, I think you'll see as we go also. through it that is exactly how this goes. And I want to start off with: I have never seen a book suck someone's dick as hard as this one. This book, this book is living underneath. Nothing Donald wrong.
1: Desk. Nothing wrong with sucking a dick. No, by the way. nothing wrong it's with a, that. Not,
0: but I've never seen know. a book do it.
1: Whatever you need to do, man. <laughs>
0: Look, I've searched on Pornhub as long and hard as I can. Long and hard. Haha. <laughs> uh-huh. But I have not yet found it. So anyway, why don't we start off this week with the opening quote? He likes to put a little fun opening quote here.
1: What, it sucks. what is this one? It's from it's from Goebbels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the as as you may know, the Nazi minister of propaganda. And it says, propaganda is always a means to an end. The propaganda that produces the desired results is good, and all other propaganda is bad. So I'm sorry to say this, Dinesh, <laughs> but your propaganda is bad. So, well, I'm sorry, Goebbels, Goebbels would not have been proud of this propaganda. Well,
0: even propaganda that re- produces the re- desired results is bad, right? Yeah. Joseph mean, all Goebbels propag- is full of shit.
1: Yeah, that's true. We know that. Um, so the the opening line of this is this chapter exposes the falsification of history that supports supports supports, supports the accusation that Trump and the GOP are 21st century fascists and Nazis. The I, I mean the funny thing about this is it, it's taking something that like not that many people really say. Like nobody really says that Trump is a Nazi anymore. Mm-hmm. I think there was some reaction that said that they got kicked up. But, like, no one really says he's a Nazi. Like, people think he's dangerous in his own right. I've heard him compared to, like, a classic crime family, which I don't necessarily disagree with. But, like, I'm not sure many people calling him a Nazi. So this this whole book is, a straw, like, based on a strawmanning of that argument, which I'm not sure really exists anyway. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, look, we could boil down this whole book into... Dinesh D'Souza presents a straw man and then knocks it down. You're right. That's exactly what yeah. the book is. Because throughout this chapter... Except
1: he doesn't even really knock it down. Like... No, he
0: hits return and starts a new paragraph. We've established yeah, exactly. that's how Several we rebut our Several times will be
1: like, I will deal with this presently. Like, it starts a new paragraph and then just never comes back to it. It's really weird.
0: <laughs> so I want to start off with a quote from this, uh, this first chapter up here in the beginning. He says, the cover-up involves hiding the real essence of fascism. Including the very name of the leading philosopher of fascism, because once that essence is exposed, it becomes obvious that Trump and the GOP cannot possibly be fascist
1: I mean, I don't think no- nobody's like hiding the name of the fascist philosopher no like it's not like a grand conspiracy i The person he's referring to is uh Giovanni Gentile, mm-hmm. who's an Italian writing, and he I mean he was an early proponent proponent of early fascism but not really by the time fascism invo- evolved into its final form like there are. Yeah, he's someone who decried you know,
0: the violence and the, the scapegoating. We, we
1: know, sorry, we know Mussolini started as a socialist and that makes sense with what Gentile said because Gentile was more the socialist side of the argument. But you can't say that the fascism that ended up as fascism in Italy and Nazism has any real basis in socialism. There's, there's a whole Snopes article on it. <laughs> like, are the Nazis socialists? Like, just because they have the name socialist in their name, National Socialist, doesn't mean that they're actually socialist in any meaningful way. It just means they, you know, and again, it is it it is similar to what Trump does in like reanimating the working class um, who feel abandoned through quote unquote nominally socialist policies, like saying, you know, we're going to bring coal back. That's kind of a socialist thing because it's unionization and that you can argue that bringing back a, a dying industry to... On behalf of the working class, is socialist Mm -hmm. in a way, but again, not really. Like, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying.
0: But the the core argument of this chapter is uh, Mussolini's fascists and the Nazis were socialists. Therefore, fascism is socialism, and everyone on the left is a fascist.
1: That's his yeah, argument. We, we, I mean, which doesn't stand any kind of reason. No, absolutely. Also, I'm just looking, I'm flicking through the cartoons and some of them. So he had a cartoon specifically commissioned yes, for this Yes, yes. Oh, a really shitty cartoon. There's some beautiful anyway,
0: illustrations in this book. There are. Yes, there we'll are. get to them. We'll get to them when we get to that part of the book. But anyway. Anyway,
1: whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So t- to build his argument, he says it's in the first, the first, his first thesis, if you will. Is he says it's important to clear up what we mean by left and right, and by that he means, of course, it's important to clear up what he means by left yes. and right, <laughs> because it's a very specific definition that allows him to make his like weird, warped argument. And I've written a bit of a diatribe here, so I'm just going to go on. Go it. right ahead. Um, so he claims, I think correctly, that the French Revolution is the origin of the the two terms, yep. because you had the proponents of the ancien when there were arguments over what was to be done with the king you generally had the proponents of the ancien regime and non-radical change on his right so you know reactionary conservatism and you had the more radical change the jacobins the girondins people who were proposing a republic or a radical change to the monarchy or the way the monarchy worked on the left Mm -hmm. so he understands and 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 gets that the right wing means supportive of the monarchy and not wanting to upset the established order in favor of progression, liberalism, whatever you want to call it. But he immediately, literally immediately, like in the next paragraph. Uh, Strawman's that concept and goes straight goes straight for, but America doesn't have a monarchy, so what could it possibly <laughs> mean here? Yeah, who knows? But, but we so, did have a monarchy. Yeah, but it's not even that. He he goes on to be like, that must mean we want to conserve the principles of the revolution. <laughs> like, no, that's not necessarily what it means. It, yeah. It, no, no. It's so very he, strange. He
0: spends this first part of the chapter talking about the Revolutionary War and the, the division back then and then trying to straw man his argument into what and left and right mean now. And he writes that the American Revolution was characterized by three basic freedoms, economic freedom, oh, yeah. political freedom, and freedom of speech or religion. These are the- but he
1: also says economic freedom, aka capitalism. Yes, yes. First of all, capitalism did not exist until after the industrial revolution had taken hold. It just didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. People, people would build things and sell them. You know, it was much more hand to mouth. Right? It was like you someone was a woodworker and he woodworks but not in the way that like. He didn't have a nine-to-five woodworking. He was like, I'll make your your table when I want to make my table, and you'll give me the money because I'm the only person that can make this table. Like, it wasn't capitalism in the same way. It wasn't industrial capitalism. So, And the earliest you can claim that happened was in 1790, which is in the first industrial mill opened, but, it, it, you know, in reality, it didn't even take hold until well after that. And the agrarian South remained mar- markedly uncapitalist and proudly uncapitalist mm-hmm. until, like, the Civil War and well after... And also, he he said political freedom, aka democracy. The founders hated democracy as we call it today. <laughs> I mean, he's true. right about speech. He's right about speech. Yes, they, and religion, they were I guess. they were
0: more democratic than any other country in the world at the time. But they didn't like yeah. democracy as we think of it. In fact, James Madison specifically did not like the idea of a complete and free democracy. Yeah, a and he democracy. studied
1: literally every he he set about to study every form of government that there had ever been. James Madison. Yes. He wrote like a treatise on like all the governments in the world ever and what was successful. Like... Uh, and there is just there is one sentence
0: in this section we're talking about that he wrote. He said, America has never had either a monarchy, monarchy or an established church. Benedict, uh,
1: was there a time where you owned us? There was yes, yes, and you have a king. I mean, technically, you wouldn't have been America then. I mean, he's right, but he's playing with words. I know, I know,
0: but you get what I'm trying to say.
1: We did have a fucking monarchy. It's, It's it's extremely dumb. Um, whatever. It's, but and also he's like, oh well, people. What he's missing is the point of the right isn't to support the king. It's it's to support non-change and reactionary policies yeah, exactly like that's 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 what the right wing in the french revolution did the fact that there happened to be a king tied up in that mm-hmm. is part of it and it's an interesting part of it but really what they were objecting to was radical change yeah. or or progression to liberalism part, so yeah. part of what we mean to, when to we tie that. it up with oh well right wing means you need a king is like a dumb an inherently exactly. dumb point. Exactly. Part of what
0: we mean when we say "right" in common parlance is the group that seeks to uphold the established order to prevent change. Right, that's what we mean yeah. by "right." That's Conservative,
1: part of it. Legi- conserving the established order—that's exactly. what it means. That's where it comes from.
0: Exactly. So, anyway, we move on. Uh, and he said, he he likes to cite the federal, everyone likes to cite Federalist Paper number 10.
1: All, well, all no, he doesn't, like hold it. on, hold on. He doesn't even, this is before he cites the Federalist Papers, and then he's like, as the founders understood it, the main threat to freedom is the federal government. <laughs> like, I feel like some of the founders, like Hamilton, Jay, Adams, might, you know, the entire Federalist Party might disagree with the fact that the federal government was the main threat to freedom. Like, do those not count as founders, Dinesh? Yeah, and, and this whole idea that
0: the Federalist Party, that, That uh, the federal government is this great evil, this power that wants to come in and take away your rights, stems from slavery. That is where this comes from, the idea that the federal government would take away the South slaves. That is why they were afraid yeah. of the federal government. And we have numerous examples over the history of the United States that the states were the ones attacking freedom and the federal government is the one protecting it. May I remind you of a little thing called the Civil War? Civil rights, voting, voting rights, the numerous First Amendment cases that have been before the courts. It, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's a stupid fucking argument. And this is something Republicans like to do when they make the founder argument, right? They pick the ones they agree with and disregard the others. Right. So just like you said, Hamilton, Jay and Adams and the the Federalist Party would absolutely disagree with most of this notion that the federal government is some scary uh, monster that is going to come take away your rights.
1: Yeah. But the constant because yeah, they were advocating for a federalist. Yeah, exactly. And the constitution itself
0: operating. was written because the federal government under the Articles of Confederation was too weak. It wasn't mm. able to get anything done, so they needed yeah. a stronger federal government. That's the whole yeah.
1: idea. And then he's like, oh, there was a transcendent moral order from the American founding. I'm not sure I get that, but there you are. No, no, and, and this is
0: my this is one of my favorite parts of this first half of the chapter. Is he writes he writes this, referring to the, the transcendent moral order from the Constitution and the founding. He writes... This means that for conservatives, human life is sacred. It has a dignity that results from de- the divine creation. It is so precious that the right to life cannot be sold even with the consent of the buyer and seller. A document written in a country started by people who were selling the lives of other human yeah, beings.
1: Exactly. Uh, apparently, the founders considered all created equal, but not slaves or women or people that. Well, own yeah, their I mean, they didn't qualify or... under all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, I mean, he goes on to say the government cannot violate the right to life, and yet America's one of the few developed nations with the death penalty, so and, that's a weird And which of too. the parties is the one that supports the death penalty the most? Uh, the 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 Republicans. No, Here it must the be the
0: left, because the left likes yeah. to kill, and the left are uh, fascists. No, no, because the left are Nazis. Exactly, right. exactly. Yeah, we're yeah. learning. We're learning from Dinesh. We're starting to get <laughs> learning it. Learning as we get By the end of this book, we're going to be drooling.
1: We'll have learned so much. So... <laughs> Moving on in this chapter, uh, yeah, he starts... Oh, yeah, yeah, he says the left is defined by hostility. It's hostility placed on the federal government by the founders. And, like, literally, like, defining the left in that simpler way, like, my eyes roll so hard, I, like, fall out of my head and I have to chase them blindly around the room while knocking things over. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: this next part of the chapter is where he basically strawmans the entire left. He comes up yeah. with a bullshit way oversimplified and in some places just false idea of what the left believes
1: well yeah it's just like he he says like oh leftists hate states rights it's like no states rights are fine as long as they don't discriminate against human rights Mm -hmm. like i don't think anyone has a problem with states making their own laws like people pay states taxes all the time and no one complains about it it's not a plot to federalize the nation, as far as I'm aware. We just don't like it when states make dumb, shitty laws that discriminate <laughs> against people. And, That's the thing we don't like. You're quite fine having a state have a law, but there are also some federal laws. And sometimes states make shitty laws that then have to be appealed to the Supreme Court as illegal. And then it becomes a federal decision. So, you know.
0: Well, and, and yeah, this is something that we noticed in the first chapter, but that really ramps up in this chapter. The amount of times he uses the words leftist, right? He just repeats leftists, 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 because it is a right-wing slag term for anyone on the left. Because if you say leftists, you don't have to have any nuance to your argument. You can just say leftists. They're all on the left. They all are as far left as possible. They all are this way. It's it's a ridiculous straw man argument. And that's what Mm. this entire chapter is. So he also says about the left, the left seeks government authority to enforce and institutionalize progressive values like federally funded abortion and – I love this part – equal treatment of gays and transsexuals. That's his wording. As
1: if, as if Dinesh does not want that. Yeah, as if equal so treatment. We, we, the yeah, thing that he yeah.
0: claims is part of those intrinsic values in the Constitution and the, and the framing of the United States is something that we should not want. The thing the left is fighting for is the thing he says the right is fighting for
1: exactly it's 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 very strange also um so you've written the quote here that i was about i was going to say is i've written like the last sentence of this this section is is incredibly leading Mm -hmm. like so his last (laughs) sentence is if right in in america means a limited non-intrusive government with a wide scope for the individual pursuit of happiness which i I put
0: parentheses in the quote which it doesn't (laughs)
1: Well, but all of this could be summed up by which it doesn't. Left in America means a powerful centralized state that implements leftist values and is controlled by the left. Like, how many times can you write left in one sentence? Yeah, and let's just say,
0: say, of course we want the government controlled by Democrats.
1: Yeah, as if he doesn't want the government controlled by Republicans. It's a really weird, weird sentiment. But also, the other thing is, like... That's not what those things mean. No. Like, you can't just say, like, if this means this, then this means this, and that's fine because I said so. Like, no, you've done nothing to prove that. That's not how. Ha- not what those things mean. That's, like, what Republicans say about the Republican Party versus what Republicans say about the Democratic Party. I noticed there's never any uh, steel manning of, of yeah. what the left is in this Well, and what, uh, in this what he
0: does when he talks about how, wh- what he thinks the left wants, which is greater federal power and federal control— that is not the end. That is not the end that we are seeking. Right? We do not mm-hmm. seek to just have greater federal power and federal control. That's not the idea. We, that's a means, a means to having equality and a means to ensuring human rights for all people in the United States who live in shitty states that want to take their rights away. If the states uh-huh. weren't doing that, we wouldn't care about having a strong federal government that protects those rights.
1: No, that's true. Exactly. Right. If the states were if the states were not violating human rights sometimes, then we wouldn't need the federal government. (laughs) If all
0: of our states were Norway, we'd be fine.
1: Exactly. Right.
0: And that's that's another part I noticed about reading this, is he uses the left-right paradigm outside of the context of the United States. When the United States, Germany, and a few other countries are the only other federal systems in the world, there's not that many federal systems. Mm -hmm. And yet he applies the paradigm of strong control uh, in countries like China, which is not a federal system. It's a completely no. different system. I, I, so I, I just wanted to bring that. But anyway, moving on to the next section of this chapter, which is subtitled Introducing the Lie, which mm-hmm. I wrote is a subsection that is a waste of paper that alternates between a community college history class intro to fascism and ad hominems against anyone who disagrees with him.
1: So exactly. He, he opens the chapter with, like, equipped with our understanding of right and left. And again, <laughs> what he means is my very specific definitions that I'm going to use for this straw man. Um, yeah uh, so he goes he goes on to say I, I actually think the the first thing he says is reasonable maybe maybe um the mussolini he, stuff? he talks yeah he talks about trump uh retweeting a mussolini quote mm-hmm. um and i kind of agree who gives a shit like it's kind of a banal quote yeah. like it's just because mussolini said it doesn't mean it's like there are better arguments yeah. for Trump's it's fascism like, than Yeah, it's than like, that. I'm sure Pol
0: Pot said some decent quotes from now and then, that if you didn't yeah. know it was said by Pol Pot, you wouldn't care.
1: Yeah, and, and then he goes on to say, like, Oh, uh... There are, there have been American presidents who have talked about national decline, promised to restore the country, and promoted an aggressive foreign policy, because these are all things that Trump did, without being accused of reading out of the fasc- fascist recipe book. Okay, but maybe we should have called them fascists, too. Like, those are all quite potentially fascist things. So, yeah, we know that maybe... during
0: the Cold War, a lot of it was hype. It was a means to build up yeah, the U.S. national security industrial complex. Yeah, exactly. It was McCarthy, which
1: Eisenhower warned against. Mm-hmm. Like, and actually, he he tries, he attempts to belittle this historian called Is it David Paxton? It is uh, Robert uh, Paxton. Robert Paxton, who I should Robert say, Paxton.
0: I should say, taught at UC Berkeley, fine, fine oh, institution. Really?
1: Yes, really, really. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So he he attempts to belittle Paxton here, and and says that he doesn't address any of the you know he he says he's playing to the gallery basically mm-hmm. of of uh leftists calling trump fascist um and he he part of his attempt to belittle this is uh, a bit from the anatomy of fascism which is a paxton book um he says he speculates what whether fascism might come to america and if so what it might look like and he's quoting Paxton here, and he says, "...the language and symbols of an authentic American fascism," he writes, "...would have little to do with the original European models. They would have to be as familiar and reassuring to loyal Americans as the language and symbols of the original fascisms were familiar and reassuring to many Italians and Germans. No swastikas in an American fascism, but stars and stripes and Christian crosses. No fascist salute, but mass recitations of the Pledge of Allegiance." de souza says this to discredit paxton and say that america's not fascist but what does he think is currently happening in america yeah
0: fights you know, over standing for the national anthem right exactly the, the absolute rise of the christian right in this country under donald trump's wing it's it's exactly what paxton's talking about and Paxton is not the
1: only person. It's it's actually an excellent point. Sorry, we talked about this last week. Of like the alt-right is now saying they want to abandon Nazi symbolism because it freaks people out. And they want to tie the fascism back to Americana. So it's actually an excellent point from Paxton that Dinesh has clearly just missed the point of.
0: Yeah. And Paxton is far from the only person to make this claim about how... Uh, fascism could come to America. That it'll come. Uh, I believe the famous quote is wrapped in a cro- or uh, wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. Uh, I don't yeah, remember who said exactly. that, but I, I know it's a famous. Quote. But
1: I mean, that's that's kind of a paraphrasing of of what Paxton says as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's much the same. Um, yeah, and then so he says at no point does Paxton suggest that there's anything about Obama or Hillary that mir- mirrors fascism or Nazism. That's because there isn't. <laughs> like. He's he's ragging on Paxton to, for saying it about Trump because he has been on the radio talking about the similarities to Trump, which, to be fair, there are a plethora of. Um, and then he says, which is a weird quote, he says, fascism is an Italian term that means groupism or collectivism. Like, again, it's not really. Like, <laughs> saying fascism means collectivism is like a, a big stretch. Like, the symbolism is right. He's right that the Fasquez were italian callbacks to a roman thing mm-hmm. of uh, a group of sticks being stronger than one individual stick yes. and, but, and they were the name but given in, to in terms of yeah and it, but in terms of calling it saying it translates to collectivism is a attempt to uh link it to marxist leninism mm-hmm. rather than you know what it actually means, which is like unity through strength, like strength through unity, which which is a nationalist symbolism. Uh, yeah. And it's exactly it's a nationalist thing. It's not collectivism. It's it's unity. Very whatever. much so. And, anyway. and I
0: think there's no denying whatsoever that Donald Trump is a nationalist president. And we will get to this in the next section uh, because he starts going through the characteristics of uh of fascism yeah and trying to i mean he he
1: also i i just i don't believe dinesh has read paxton or in his entirety no. if or if he has he's not being honest about what he's written because he claims paxton's area of specialty is not fascism but vichy france well first of all <laughs> i'd suggest there's some overlap there yeah given vichy france was nazi france yes but also i'd say that he's written more books on fascism and the nazis than he has on vichy france so you know yeah. And, and you've written his areas of specialty, plural, are Vichy France, fascism, Nazism and power relations. Yes. So, you know, it is possible, Dinesh, I know this is a lot to you, but it is possible to have more than one area of expertise. <laughs> you it's say possible it's possible to have more than more than zero, Dinesh, because that's clearly <laughs> the amount that you have.
0: Absolutely. All right. The next subsection in this chapter is called Trump's fascist rating. And if you had to give Trump a fascist rating, what would it be? Out of
1: ten, oh, like out of 10. seven, I don't
0: know, seven. Yeah, I'd go for about a, a six or a seven. I think you're right about authoritarianism. It, right? Yeah, he he I, wants I, to I, be an authoritarian. Uh,
1: yeah, he'd love it. I mean, you know, we we've seen that with his his pr- praise of President Xi for for extending his term. Ratings. My my first note on this is like, what a boring bit of text. Like, what, <laughs> like it, it, the first thing Dinesh needs is a good editor. Like, oh yeah honestly oh he I, has some
0: asshole who does no clue how to edit doing this but
1: i i you know i would have cut so much of this i mean i would have cut the whole book but
0: yeah and so what he does here what is so messed up is that this subsection he starts with one of the characteristics of fascism rain racism and xenophobia and then doesn't touch any of the other ones until the next subsection uh, I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't i don't get it you're right it's just it's horribly edited it's just awfully put together yeah
1: So he he dismisses. So he says the the first evidence for Trump's racism, so xenophobia, is that he's supported by racists and xenophobes, which is objectively true. Like Mm -hmm. David Duke is a supporter, Richard Spencer, Hale Trump, all that. But he he dismisses the whole alt right as imbeciles who know nothing about fascism and would have been sent to the gas chambers. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. That's fun. I love that. Like, we,
0: need to, we need to take a picture of that and tweet it at Richard
1: Spencer. <laughs> yeah, this is what D'Souza... But but Richard Spencer obviously already hates D'Souza because he's brown. Yes, like, I don't know what these people are doing, apologizing. You know, this is an apology for the alt-right, essentially, mm-hmm. or for uh whatever trumpism is which is supported by the alt-right by a brown man who would be first on the list if they were ever swept to power yeah actually and also the the other thing i would point out is that a lot of people aren't necessarily afraid of trump but of what trump portends so if we can vote for trump who else can we vote for exactly he's like a, a a paving of the way if you like
0: when david duke runs in 2020 how many votes will he get Exactly. Is the problem that I mean he, worried about.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's yeah. exactly the problem. Um, he also says that, and this is weird, uh, he says, Is Trump a racist in xenophobe because he hates immigrants and once called a Hispanic federal judge a Mexican? um okay and then he says i'm a u.s citizen of asian and indian descent so what that would be like calling me an asian indian if someone intends to insult me by calling me that i'm not offended what's the big deal (laughs) even for those who are thin-skinned trump was at worst being somewhat insensitive insensitivity is not the same again we're getting back to the
0: missing the fucking point uh, well missing the
1: most of the story because what people were upset about was with that, they it deliberately leaves out the part of the story where what actually Trump said was that he suggested this Mexican-American judge could not do his job properly because of his ethnicity. Yes. He said he would be a biased judge in a case about Mexicans or Hispanic Ameri- or, or Hispanic people. And assuming that someone won't be able to do their judge. No, no, no I believe it was the Trump job,
0: University case.
1: Maybe. Oh, it might have been. I don't yeah. know. It, it may have been. You may be right. But assuming that someone is not able to do their job when they are a fucking judge, not able to do their job properly because of their heritage, Mm -hmm. that is the definition of race. It's literally textbook racism, right? And it's not just because he called, he didn't just call him a Mexican. Like, that that would be a bit dumb, but like, oh, he's Mexican, Mexican Mexican-American, whatever, like that's fine at least you know at least, at least you're not calling yeah. like a brazilian no no, i get exactly like, what you're saying that's, i get exactly that's not what, you're saying. what that's not what the problem was yeah. the problem was the suggestion that because of his ethnicity he would not yeah. he would be biased in his job
0: which is how we get back to the theme of of and i, I say i say missing the fucking point and i think it's willfully missing the fucking point it's on yeah. it's absolutely on purpose uh but The next paragraph after that is even better. It is delicious because he rolls out the old trope. Uh, Trump's statements about Muslims cannot be termed racist for the simple reason that Islam is a religion, not a race. And I wrote here, uh, we're not racists, we're bigots, exclamation Uh point, exclamation point,
1: which is the point he's trying to make. We're not racist, we're bigots. Yeah, and again, like, all religion is bullshit. We know this, but this—it's very much slapped onto brown people, regardless of religion. Like it, it, he says, also he says, "despised, not despite." <laughs> e- edit much, Dinesh. Yeah, like, yeah. but I mean, you—you've written above. You—you you wrote a list of other racial, racist things Trump's done. I don't know if you want yeah, to... Yeah, which din- Dinesh
0: never... T- and I, I, this is by no means an exhaustive list. I just put down yeah. the five things that popped into my mind right away, which are the things that Dinesh doesn't bother to deal with, calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas multiple times, including when standing with the code talkers in front of a portrait of yeah. Andrew fucking Jackson.
1: Yeah, that was, that was after the book came out. It was, fair.
0: to be fair. Uh, how about the call to ban all Muslims? That was before the book came out.
1: Uh-huh, but that's bigotry that's okay not bigotry
0: racism, not so. racism okay xenophobia though certainly yeah, yeah. Certainly. uh not renting to black people uh th- yeah that, was, that bad. was bad that was racist uh calling for the death penalty for the central park five even after they were exonerated
1: yeah because yep. he doesn't believe that black people would not do that and how so. about this
0: the fucking birther conspiracy
1: yeah that's a big one can you get that more racist than one.
0: that no. I don't think I don't think there's a way. I can't think of a way other than using the n-word while furthering the birther conspiracy. I can't think of yeah. how you get more racist than that. Um, but anyway, he also goes on after that in the next few paragraphs to talk about all of the racist Democrats there have been. Uh, which, yeah. yes, of course, there's been racist Democrats. We know yeah, that uh, Woodrow Wilson didn't was notice, racist.
1: America was super <laughs> racist for a long time. Still is, but like, was extremely openly like non unashamedly racist for a long time we banned
0: the chinese from coming because of racism
1: and yeah and (laughs) fdr locked up the japanese as we know or allowed for the japanese to be up and you know fdr progressive hero that he is did work with some dodgy people because politics was really shady back then Mm -hmm there were literally like political bosses that rigged elections yeah. and things. Like, I bet I can find a few Republicans that did the same thing. Like, this is not a one side of the coin thing.
0: Absolutely. And we get to, in this sec- the, la- in the end of this section, one of the biggest uh, uh, logical fallacies that I've seen in Dinesh's writing. So Dinesh writes about how uh, Donald Trump ran an ad during the c- the campaign condemning the global power structure for stripping our country of its wealth and putting money in the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities, mm-hmm. which, damn, that sounds a lot like socialism, doesn't it? Uh, a socialist yeah, argument against capitalism. Uh, and does, and yeah. several people, Al Franken at the time, who was uh, not uh, condemned and kicked out yet, uh, he condemned this as anti-Semitic because it echoes – the sort of uh, uh, Jewish banking conspiracy bullshit that you've heard from uh-huh. the anti-Semites from the beginning of time. And so Dinesh's mm-hmm. argument against this and the other racist ads that Donald Trump has run, uh, he, he has repeatedly had a- ads that echo this whole uh, conspiracy bullshit, mm-hmm. is that, well, there's no way Donald Trump could be an anti-Semite because there was this guy who was a big anti-Semite back in the 1930s and he was a leftist. So how could yeah. Donald Trump be the new that guy?
1: Yeah, it's weird, right? Isn't that the it, worst kind it, of like argument? He, he, well, yeah, but also like his whole argument is brought up on being like, oh, I ain't gonna find parallels in history, and oh look, there aren't any. Like, it's yeah, it's extremely confusing. Is he gonna pretend
0: um, that there are no anti Semites on the right? Is is that what he's gonna pretend? Because well, I'm I mean, sure the right,
1: the right does love Israel. Okay, you know that. because
0: in chapter eight of this book. We get into his George sneak Soros peek, bit. Sneak, sneak pit, Sneak peek. Sneak peek. In chapter eight, he has a whole chapter that could just be summarized by writing George Soros is a Nazi on the wall in his own poop. That is essentially chapter eight. Yeah. And I'm so excited to Thank get you. that one. We're going to do that one with, with a friend of the show, uh, Aaron from Embrace the Void. We're planning on doing that. But uh, anyway, we're not there yet. We have to finish this chapter. So the next section in this chapter, he starts finally even though for the last five pages he's been saying he'll do this, going through the components of fascism, the characteristics, yeah. if you will. Because, like we said all along, there is no clear definition of fascism. We usually associate it with a number of characteristics. So, mm-hmm. he starts with insanity. Yeah, which, this is a super
1: weird yeah, one. Yeah, which is not argument. one that anyone it's like, uses
0: for fascism. Yeah,
1: it's, it's like four, pa- four paragraphs. No, three paragraphs, sorry. Uh, and it's literally, the paragraphs are... Trump's not insane, but neither were Mussolini or Hitler. Like, why is this in here? Like, what do you, why is this, why are these paragraphs even here? Like, again, editor, please, someone edit this. Please,
0: please, please. The next one is reactionary, uh, which uh, there is, I don't think there's any doubt Donald Trump is a reactionary, right?
1: Yeah, he's like the definition of reactionary, Uh, you know, low information voter who got elected president as, uh, as it. Often says. Yeah, no, and, and like, it's exactly right, what it is. The
0: fascist playbook, right? Appeal to the glorious past, right? We need to retake the Sudetenland because it's part of our glorious past. That is a key uh, uh, fascist characteristic. The next one, authoritarianism. Uh, <laughs> you wrote, this defense has not held up well, especially with McCabe being fired today. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so he says, this is a big one. An American authoritarian reads a headline in Atlantic. That was a good piece. You should read that. Um, So he says, invoking parallels to the authoritarian despots Hitler and Mussolini, historian Timothy Schneider Schneider notes that Trump has said almost nothing in favor of democracy and threatens the system of checks and balances by denigrating judges. That's true. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he talks about Hitler and Mussolini and how they were authoritarians. And yeah, he says Trump fired his FBI director provoking dark ruminations in the Washington Post about Trump's respect for the rule of law. Yet Trump's action was entirely lawful. So, again, yes, but a should it have been and b even though it's lawful doesn't mean it's not distinctly dodgy. Like I'm pretty sure the um the Nazi exterminations of the Jews were lawful. Mm-hmm. Like, just because something is lawful doesn't mean it's right. Like, it was illegal for the wa- the Warsaw Uprising was illegal, but also, like, good.
0: Yeah, and he also writes after that bit that you just read, criticizing the media isn't, dem- isn't undemocratic either. The First Amendment isn't just a press prerogative. The president, too, has the right to free speech. Yes, he does. But Donald Everybody's Trump is not just that. criticizing the media. He is undermining the very fabric of speech and of of the free press itself that is the problem an all-out assault on truth is the problem in an attempt to support himself
1: it's it's actually very soviet like it's i mean it is something the nazis did as well but the soviets did it really well too Mm -hmm. again just call us communists it would be much easier it really would it really would i don't know i don't know what he's doing the next character the last one is nationalism well it's not the last one Oh, no, just... militarism.
0: The really next right, one he talks so. about is nationalism, uh, which, uh, look, is there any doubt that Donald Trump is a nationalist? I sure don't think so. No. A- make and America Dinesh says, says it himself. He says, his... he says clearly Trump is a nationalist, and the mod- modern American right is nationalist and comfortable with the symbols of traditional patriotism, such as waving under the flag or boisterous renditions of the national anthem and God bless America.
1: Which Paxton signaled is poten- the, has the potential to turn into fascism. So well done for calling back that point and saying <laughs> the right's comfortable with that, Dinesh. Really solid argument.
0: And here's the thing. He says, by contrast, the modern left is internationalist. It has little patience with displays of traditional patriotism. And this seems to distinguish the left on the one hand from the Nazis, the fascists, and the American conservatives on the other. Okay, so Dinesh you've just said that the left aren't like the Nazis because they're not a bunch of nationalist nutjobs. hmm Okay?
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Dinesh. <laughs> yeah, well and done. Now we're going to
0: disregard that throughout the rest of the book as we call the left a bunch of Nazis.
1: Yeah, bizarre. So uh absolutely bizarre.
0: he also he also brings up the idea of militarism as an important component of fascism. And mm. let's say de- Donald Trump is definitely militaristic. He has pushed for massive increases in the size and scope of the US military, uh of our nuclear weapons program. He now wants a space force, which is fantastic. I think yeah, the space force is true. too good. The space force is just too good. Um yeah. He writes that that uh he he quotes uh Stanley Payne, this guy that he loves. Uh, in saying that uh, several fascist movements had little interest in or even rejected imperial ambitions while others advocated war that was generally defensive rather than aggressive and let's Mm -hmm. say donald trump's militarism has a defensive theme about it that is the theme of donald trump's militarism is defending us from things we can't be defended from from isis and Mm -hmm. terrorism the military can't (laughs) do jack shit about those and from north korea iran and various other threats around the world it's a defensive nationalist militarism. That is exactly what it is. And I want to say, Dinesh leaves out a very important factor in fascism, uh, which he doesn't even touch on because he knows it's like a death blow, which is the Mm -hmm. cult of personality, which is the single leader who takes on a quasi-godlike status, which I think there is no denying that for much of the right, Donald Trump is that very... Uh, uh, cult leader that they have been searching for for so long. He absolutely has a cult of personality around him and not just Mm -hmm. directly around him, but all the people on social media who support him, all the people who go on the news, who suck the living day out of his dick every day because they want to be on Fox and Friends and have Donald Trump tweet Mm -hmm. about them. There is absolutely a cult of personality around him. But Dinesh D'Souza, of course, does not even think about discussing that, because that would, of course, be another point for Donald Trump being a fascist.
1: No, I mean, his his only argument here is around the military stuff, is that Trump isn't trying to expand the American empire, which, um, I mean, not militarily, but he's certainly trying to expand American hegemony in the same way that, you know... President well, he Trump. is, the but not he, here's him. the
0: funny thing. Donald Trump is, but he's doing a terrible job of it.
1: Yeah. Because the, the, he has the, ceded
0: so much ground to China with the TPP true. and the Paris Climate Accords and the shit he's said about Africa, where China is is absolutely pumping billions of dollars into. Mm-hmm. So... Uh but there is yeah. there's one last characteristic which I didn't think barely even mentioned uh, uh deserves a mention because this is not something that anyone usually associates with fascism. Capitalism. No. Of course Dinesh yeah. puts that in there. Uh and his only th- his only point here is that Cornell West once said on TV that capitalism is a fascist thing. Great. You bring up Cornell West and then use his most used well, he citation. Even say
1: that. He said, in an emerging neo-fascist movement, you have the rule of big business, which is big banks and big corporations. He doesn't say they are intrinsically fascist. He just says they are part of a, f- that, that they would be characteristics of a neo-fascist mm-hmm. state. Like, he doesn't say they cause it. He says they are characteristics of it, which, you know, you can argue the toss on that. But I, I think that's not an unreasonable thing to say.
0: Absolutely. But, but here, here's his, you know, he always does this. Dinesh does, loves this citation. Others say. And that's how he gets, how he gets this in here. Cornel West said this one thing, and then he says, others on the left besides Cornel West still echo the accusation that Trump is a fascist because capitalism is a defining feature of fascism. Well, why didn't you find examples, Dinesh? You wrote yeah, this others. whole big book, and all you can it's say lazy. is others say. It's laziness. It's intellectual laziness. You would, be, you would absolutely be hammered uh, in any academic setting for a citation that fucking lazy. But anyway, that is the end of the first half of chapter two of Dinesh's book The Big Lie we are going to do the second half next week the second half he starts telling us how fascists are really socialists which I am really yeah. excited for
1: I mean is the, the whole argument is national socialists you say <laughs> like, it's like, a whole lot of fun it.
0: And in the final segment this week, we return to Dinesh D'Souza's book, The Big Lie, exposing the Nazi roots of the American left. You so,
1: always say that with the same tone. It's shocking. Like it, It's shockingly consistent.
0: Because I know that when he does the documentary based on this book, that's how it's going to be pronounced. Okay. The Big Lie, mm-hmm. exposing the Nazi roots of the American left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to start off this week with a quick question. Uh-huh. I just want to know because there are three important characters who come up in this second half of chapter two. Hitler, Mussolini, and a man named Giovanni Gentile. Okay. And I want to know, fuck, marry, kill, Hitler, oh, uh, Mussolini, or Giovanni Gentile? Kill Hitler
1: immediately. <laughs> kill Hitler uh, as a baby. That's almost too easy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill Hitler. Um, and then, I don't know, I guess I'd I don't know, fuck Mussolini, marry Gentile, I guess. Eh, I see, I would go kill Hitler, fuck Gentile,
0: and marry Mussolini. Okay.
1: Right? What appeals and to you I about just, Big Benito?
0: Look, the you know the Italians are just passionate. They're very passionate lovers. Well, yeah, lovers. but
1: Gentile is also uh, Italian.
0: He's also Italian, but have you seen his picture? Not as good looking uh, of a man. Have
1: you seen Mussolini's <laughs> melted face? I prefer a man who
0: looks like he's made out of candle wax and slowly <laughs> melting in the heat. That's what wow. I prefer.
1: Nobody, nobody's here to judge you, Kevin. Nobody's here to judge you. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, the first subheading in this part of the chapter, the second half of the chapter, is called The Karl Marx of Fascism, mm-hmm. where we will learn about Giovanni Gentile and how all of us liberals are hiding him from the world so nobody knows where we really get our ideas
1: from. Yeah, it's very strange. Um Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it. it it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to say.
0: So it starts off, we're talking about uh, Giovanni Gentile, mm-hmm. and Giovanni Gentile, is, uh, he was the self-styled uh, philosopher of fascism, right? Ginesh, Dinesh writes, right away we see that Gentile is a communitarian as opposed to a radical individualist. Well This I distinguishes mean, him from some libertarians and classical <sighs> liberals. Like I say, shout out to the classical classic liberals. liberals.
1: Yeah. The, the, the thing is, it's interesting. He's like, why has Gentile vanished into the midst of history? Well, I mean, maybe because he's not that interesting a writer, for the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, most people do. Like the yeah. vast majority <laughs> of people, even if they're super interesting, do vanish into the midst of history. Like he didn't do yeah. anything particularly significant as a thinker. He was a, I mean, he ghost wrote the fascist stuff for Mussolini. So mm-hmm. I, well, I, and even did the publish famous under thinkers. his name, but like, yeah, even famous thinkers like. Yeah. Like think of it.
0: If you went out onto the street today, how many people out of 10 would know who Descartes is?
1: Yeah. I mean, or Hegel. Maybe Who, who Gentile modeled himself on. Mm-hmm. He's neo-Hegelian. I mean, who knows who Hegel is? I barely know who Hegel is. And I'm smart.
0: <laughs> you know how you know how smart people are when they tell you yeah, how smart that's they are. Right. Good My job. IQ
1: is higher than any of your are listeners. <laughs> we need to take an. We need to have you take an IQ test against Rex Tillerson. Yes, and Donald Trump.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, anyway, he starts. He goes into this, and he says, uh Gentile recognizes that his critique of bourgeois democracy echoes that of Marx, and Marx is his takeoff point. Well, yeah, no, like no, no. no Marx- but
1: hold on, hold on. One, one He All this talk about Marx, I I did make notes on the first couple of pages before I ran out of time, mm-hmm. so like, I would like to get mm-hmm. them in while I can. Um, <laughs> so he says, following Aristotle and Marx, he sees man as a social animal. Like That's a very hilarious attempt to tie Gentile to Marx because that's a a distinctly (laughs) like Aristotelian concept through Hegel. And it's it's just like repackaging it under Marx's name. So you can be like, oh, yeah, look, see how he's like Marx. He's like Marx because he also believes man evolved from monkeys and is a social animal. Like, obviously, 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 everyone in the 19th century believed he was a social animal.
0: Well, and with that Aristotle quote, so many people, when they they think they quote that, they say the man is a political animal, right? Which is an incorrect version of the quote. Mm-hmm. What Aristotle said was man is a creature of the polis, the polis being the political center of Athens, mm-hmm. right? So it, there's a whole other kind con- of... It goes with the whole 1984 thing that I hate where people are invoking 1984 when they have no fucking clue, mm-hmm. right? Same, similar thing. Anyway, he li- he tries then to compare gentile to mario cuomo's keynote address at the 1984 right, right. democratic convention when cuomo likened america to an extended family where through the agency of government we take care of each other in much the same mem- manner that families took care of all of their members
1: and i just want to say what the fuck is wrong with yeah you? is that supposed to be a bad what problem
0: thing? could you possibly have with that
1: yeah it's really weird i mean it, it, it's like and then he randomly throws in like a Oh, yes, and I think Obama and Hillary would sympathize with this. Like, emphasize that leaders and (laughs) organizers are needed to direct and channel the will of the people. Like, again, what's wrong with that? That's just, that's how the founding fathers of the United States set up this government. Yeah, that's why they are founding fathers and not random people (laughs) who were not leaders. Like, that's literally how it works.
0: Oh, and he he dwells a lot in this part of the chapter on the difference between... Dinesh's idea of individualism and what he calls communitarianism or socialism. Mm-hmm. Or he uses different words all the time for it. And I just without ever it, defining the whole, them, by the way. Without ever defining it, of course. And he talks about Gentile and how Gentile viewed you know, uh, this, this idea that people should work for the betterment of the state and of society. And that is, to me, very similar to the ancient Greek mm-hmm. idea – of individualism, right? Yeah, it's very Plato's Republic.
1: You're stripped away Mm -hmm. from your your parents at birth and raised to be the best actor you can be for the state. Exactly, and you create beautiful
0: works, you create art, but you're doing it for the glory and the betterment of the society, Mm -hmm. right? That's the idea of that ancient Greek idea, which I don't have a particular problem. I don't think we should take children away from their their parents like Plato did, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think there's nothing wrong with this idea of individualism. Maybe Dinesh should have been
1: taken away from his parents.
0: Anyway, we move on.
1: But yeah, and he, he, says, he, he that. says that makes them the, the ancestor of Antifa, which is like a weird <laughs> leap as well. It, it, look, it's all just a reminder that this all comes down to like this weird thing that left in his mind equals big government and right equals small government what and with nothing to do with the actual policies of what those governments are. And that's, I, I guess that's kind of persuasive if you take it at va- face value, which is what Dinesh wants you to do. Because again, like... If you think about it for more than a second, it all falls apart. Like, obviously, the right-wing government is associated with the specific, like, policies rather than just the size of the government. Like, the policies also matter. It's not just the size of the government that matters. Yeah. Well, we talked
0: about this last time we did the Dinesh book, which was, what, three weeks ago now because you've been Mm -hmm. lazy. But uh, this, this whole thing he seems to be missing is that the end we seek is not big government. No. The government is a means to an end. The reason we we go through the federal government is because state governments uh, attack the civil rights of people in their states. So the only way some to do. stop that some is do. go through – Some do. Some do. Most don't, but some do. And the problem we are trying to solve by using the federal government with things like the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, is to prevent those civil rights mm-hmm. from being attacked by states.
1: Also, yeah, yeah like this
0: <sighs> –
1: Okay. I know it's so exasperating. Keep going. going. You have more notes on this first bit before I get to the next thing I want to say. After all these comparisons,
0: like you said, he compares Gentile as the unacknowledged ancestor of the street activism of Antifa and other leftist groups. I don't know how he gets there from saying that... The quote before that is, unlike Marx, he conceived the struggle not between the working class and the capitalist, but between the selfish individuals trying to live for himself and the fully actualized individual who willingly puts himself at the behest of society and the state. Mm -hmm. The sentence after that is where he says that's why... Gentile is the ancestor of Antifa yeah. and street it, activists.
1: there's, I, there's no there, line there. There's no logical There's no there.
0: logical way to get from A to B there. It doesn't make sense. No. It I, just doesn't I make mean, sense. I mean, the
1: other thing is also this is all this is all pre-national so a lot of what fascism is as we see it, it contains a lot of nationalism and this doesn't have that yet. I mean, yeah, no, I No, certainly to, to not. To be honest, animals. I've I've not read Gentile uh, to the extent that yeah. I should have to be able to comment on his work, but I don't think Dinesh has either. So <laughs> So I'm that. Okay I think with that.
0: Dinesh went to WikiQuote. Yeah. That's where he got all his information here. Um so but after that he goes through this whole thing where he's basically saying Gentile although he compared him to Antifa and said he, you know, provided the ideology for the Nazis and the fascists. D- Dinesh says that he protected the Jews. Mm-hmm decried violence, and said that the state should try to persuade people rather than force them to act in the way that they want, which...
1: Ah, yes, fascism.
0: That... <laughs> <laughs> is that fascism? I, I mean, uh, Dinesh is is dropping back from his own definitions of fascism because Dinesh doesn't have one definition of fascism in this book. He has multiple definitions of fascism mm-hmm. that he pulls out to suit whatever the current argument he is making is. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so, of course, he's brought up violence before as a component of fascism. Uh, he, he, he said that uh, the, the xenophobia or, or racism isn't a part of fascism, which I generally disagree with because it's part of xenophobic nationalism, which is a component of fascism. Uh, and de- he always makes the argument that it is a powerful central government trying to force things on the people rather than trying to persuade them so he's backtracking from his own argument here if gentile truly is the father of fascism as dinesh views it
1: mm-hmm. yeah also i mean again I, I i haven't read gentile but nothing about gentile's fascism resembles what fascism came to be in any way
0: no not at all not at all. and he gets into that a little bit later in this chapter yeah. but um at the end of this paragraph is probably i think the most heinous lie we've encountered in this book yet. Just a flat out lie. All right, all right.
1: Interesting. Okay, that's it. Let's hear it. Let's hear
0: it. So the statement that Dinesh makes is, yet although Gentile is forgotten, his philosophy could not be more relevant because it closely parallels that of the modern American left. In fact, the slogan unveiled by Obama at the 2012 Democratic Convention, quote, we belong to the government, was not coined by Gentile, but is utterly congruent with his core philosophy. Now, That is not the phrase that was actually said at the Democratic Convention. Okay. Part A. Part B, it wasn't a slogan that Obama unveiled. And part C, it was actually part of a video created by the city of Charlotte to talk about Charlotte for the Democratic Convention. Okay. The actual quote that was part of that video is, Government is the only thing we all belong to. It's like Dinesh heard this from his drunk uncle who heard it from his buddy Steve Oof. the Bush and then repeated it. So here's, the, what, here's what was actually part of that video. I have it pulled up. I found it. Okay. And the full quote in context is, we are committed to all people. We do believe you could use government in a good way. Government's the only thing that we all belong to. We have different churches, different clubs, what, but we're together as part of our city or our country or our state and our nation. Now, think about the kind of twisting Dinesh did for this. He lied about what the statement was. Yeah. He definitely implies, which since he's implying a false thing, he's, he's lying mm-hmm. about the context. He's lying about what the statement meant. Right, He's trying to say that Obama, who didn't – again, did not unveil this non-slogan, was saying that the people all belong to the government. The government has complete control over all the people. That's what he's trying to say Obama was saying. That is absolutely not what it was. No. And it's just disgu- – this is the worst lie we've seen yet. I and mean, I know. I know it's not the end of them. But this is –
1: so deliciously bad
0: yeah i mean that it, that's I just very like, slave,
1: it. <laughs> like we are slaves to the government is what he's trying to imply yes. obama was that's saying. what
0: he's trying to imply anyway moving on moving on uh after that he follows the very next paragraph this is the reason for gentile's obscurity not that his ideas are dead but that they are very much alive so ah, yes, famously, reason- that's
1: why people have become obscure <laughs> when their ideas are still alive that, that What? So, what are you talking about? Uh, oh yeah, because so, we've never heard of Aristotle. Because his ideas... Are, are, are what? what? What the fuck are you talking about? Honestly, what does that so mean? the
0: reason we hear so much about Jordan B. Peterson is because his ideas are all dead. Well, it must be.
1: Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I very
0: much wish they were. Yeah. But
1: what oh, does that God. mean? Like, Hitler's ideas are dead. Is he obscure? No.
0: I don't know. It's like, so Gentile is the founder of American progressivism, mm-hmm. but nobody knows about Gentile because the illiberal elites hide him, but he has a fucking Wikipedia page. Yeah. Bizarre. So it's bizarre. like, what the fuck are you talking
1: about? Utterly bizarre.
0: Oh, and it keeps, it always, it always, everything in this book so far, it goes back to Dinesh's straw man, that the end progressive seek is a strong central state, mm-hmm. that that's what we are after. Right, And that's what every one of his arguments returns to. That's how he gets the, the the similarity between fascism and liberalism or progressivism or leftism, whatever word Dinesh decides to use for yeah, it. Exactly. They're all the same in his eye.
1: Yeah. So we're going on to In Speech and indeed now, which is the, the next bit. And, and like as a preview, what he's actually doing here is defining fascism as something separate to what Mussolini and Hitler did and then being like, Democrats are a bit like some cherry-picked bits of this original theorem, so fascism – hmm That's it.
0: Uh, Basically, yeah. 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 So in this part, we start off with him talking about Abraham Lincoln. And uh, they always do this. Dinesh does this a lot. And they point out that Lincoln, of course, was the leader of the Republican Party when uh, the Civil War happened and slavery ended. And they like to claim that Abraham Lincoln was anti-slavery and pro-civil rights, whatever the case may be. And I, I... Look, in this country, we... Love Abraham Lincoln. We idolize Abraham Lincoln. Certainly he was a good man who, you know, started a war and eventually freed the slaves. Mm -hmm. He didn't start the war. He didn't start the war. (laughs) We didn't start the fire. But uh, I always point out that Abraham Lincoln was not anti-slavery. He was a free soiler. Mm -hmm. Okay. And a few weeks ago I quoted uh, what I thought was one of his inaugural addresses. I was wrong Mm -hmm. about that. It was actually his letter to Horace Greeley. And I'm going to read a quote from that right now, which is, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the union and is not either to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. Mm -hmm. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do about that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do do because I believe it helps to save the union, and what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help to save the union. So, I just, I I have to point that out. Whenever we go into this, Republicans are so great because we were anti-slavery, you weren't anti-slavery. You really weren't. You were pro-union, which is ironic given their current stance towards federal government versus state rights, Uh, and of course... I don't want to get into that too much because it's not a big part of this chapter, but the whole fed, you know, big government versus states' rights thing, when Republicans are in power, as they are right now, mm-hmm. they fight for dominance of the federal government, as Jeff Sessions is doing in fighting against California right now. Uh, and when when Democrats are not in power, as we are right now, we fight for states' rights because we're not fighting for the states versus the federal government. Mm-hmm. We're fighting for specific policies and ideas that we think are right. That's yeah. what it's about.
1: Yeah. I, so, yeah. I think I I feel like you've got a bit away from the the book now. So should yes, we get back yes, to it? I had to ramble. No, no, that's fine. Um. So he, this bit. So he's he's talking. I'm going to quote from the book now again. So to to back up what I said earlier, it says, once again, I. Return to progressive darling Robert Paxton, I'm not sure he's a progressive darling, but that's fine, (laughs) who in his public interviews emphasises that while fascism, quote, sounded quite radical, when it's in power, it allies with banks, industrialists, the army, churches, and so forth. Paxton also points out that, quote, when you read Hitler's programme, his 21 points, and when you read Mussolini's first programme in 1919, it had very little to do with what they eventually did. Paxton's implication is that despite their professed goals, fascism and national socialism cannot be equated with leftism and progressivism because Mussolini and Hitler did not actually implement the full scope of their ideology. No, that's not what that means. The point is fascism in practice is very different. Well, the fascism of Mussolini and Hitler was very different to what they originally said they were going to do. Right, because it they beca- they they were reactionary and nationalistic, and also 1919 was a long time before 1933 when Hitler <laughs> when Mussolini eventually came to power, 1932 when the doctrine of fascism was published. So, I, and of course, everyone knows Mussolini was a socialist. I literally predicted this would be his argument. Like, Mm -hmm. from the first page, I was like, he's going to say Mussolini was a socialist and therefore fascism is socialism. No, fascism is a completely different representation of unity through strength, but unity through a nationalistic xenophobic strength rather than an internationalistic socialistic strength. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Very much so. And also, I've never seen anyone, like, self-own so much by quoting the person (laughs) who literally, like disproves their whole argument he keeps being like oh yeah robert paxton says this oh shit that disproves everything i've just said well i don't think that's a good argument no, no reason why
0: <laughs> his, l- like his we next say, sentence is whenever like, he makes a countering- argument,
1: ar- his argument a to my thesis i have to say that this is true but utterly unconvincing what
0: <laughs> his counter argument has always hit enter and start a new paragraph exactly. Exactly. That's what it always is. It's ignore everything to the contrary. Yeah. So I want to say there's another there's another uh misleading statement in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as bad as the previous one we just talked about. But he writes, Mussolini was such a thoroughgoing statist that I venture to say he was more statist than Barack Obama when Obama confessed to the New York Times that he envied the Chinese communist leaders the extent of their power.
1: Which now- hold on, is something that Donald Trump <laughs> literally said last week.
0: Yes, I know. About Xi Jinping. Which is great.
1: It's so beautiful. Anyway, carry on.
0: (laughs) But, so, I went. uh, He did provide, actually, a footnote for this one. Thank you very much. Oh, my goodness, I am shook. Oh, I know, I know. He never footnotes when he should. Uh, But he did provide the footnote for this article. This is from a New York Times article from 2011 called Obama Seeks a Course of Pragmatism in the Middle East. It has nothing to do with China until the last paragraph. Where? What it reads is... Striking a very balanced and in many ways neutral approach is recognized by many people in the region as not being with them or on their side, said J. Scott Massek, the head of Middle East and North Africa for the International Republican Institute. It's very important that we be seen as supporting the demands of the people in the region. How Mr. Obama manages to do that while also balancing American interests is a question that officials acknowledge will plague this historic president for months to come. Mr. Obama has told people that it would be so much easier for the president of China, as one official put it, No one is scrutinizing Hu Jintao's words in Tahrir Square. So, we take an off-the-cuff remark about, oh, it'd be so much easier to deal with this bullshit if nobody was questioning me and say, I wish I was like China, where I could send tanks through the middle of the square. No, that's weird. That's It's just misleading.
1: Yeah, Look, it, it's incredibly this misleading. Is, this
0: is the game. This is the game of Dinesh yeah. D'Souza in the right. Take every statement that everyone on the left makes, distort it, twist it, leave it out of context, and try and make your side get ginned up and angry so they show up at the polls of the next election and vote. That's the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. moving on. Uh, we have next uh, a description of what Dinesh thinks Mussolini's goals were and what his platform was. Mm-hmm. So... Here's a few things that, Mus- that he says Mussolini included as part of his platform. Universal suffrage, lowering the voting age to 18, abolishing the elitist Senate, mandating an eight-hour workday, a massive public works program, worker participation in industrial management, nationalization of defense-related industries, old age and sickness insurance for all citizens, state confiscation of uncultivated land, steeply progressive taxation, an 85% tax on war profits, and strong anti-clerical policies including no religious instruction in schools and government appropriation of the property of religious institutions.
1: Which... I have no problem with 60% of that. Yeah, this is the thing. Just because something is nominally associated with fascism doesn't make it inherently bad. And I think right. that's the thing that, that's the thing Dinesh is missing here. Like, some of those things are good. Like, Does Dinesh have a problem with universal suffrage in an 18-year-old voting age? Well, I mean, the problem, obviously, sometimes, is how those things are achieved. Like, if everyone's allowed to vote, but everyone's allowed to vote because we killed half the population, that's not <laughs> a good way to achieve that. Yeah, but uh, and that that's that's maybe the fascism side of it. But like as a goal, that's not a bad goal.
0: Yeah, and I I gotta say, Dinesh made a halfway funny joke here. Oh, right, halfway funny. And I don't know, I don't know if he meant this as a joke or if this is just like some vague uh, anti-Italian shit he was doing. But he writes Mussolini never had the heart to be a true totalitarian, in part because he was well. Italian. His totalitarianism was always Italian, which is to say half-assed. But I gotta say, if you meant that as a joke, that's kind of funny to me. Uh, that's kind of funny. It's kind of racist. <laughs> and he said, but he follows that up with saying, "Well, you know, he sort of controlled the media, and he sorta of had Parliament under his thumb, and he sorta of had his opponents arrested and killed. But you know, he just he didn't kill enough people to really be. He fascist. didn't
1: really commit to it." Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, I, I see he's oh. also mis- misrepresented uh, 1984 in there for you as well. Yes, yes, the yes, throw in the 1984. Yeah, Love it. Good.
0: Oh, Dinesh has the uh, special edition copy that was released in 1984 that everyone thought would be a collector's edition, but there's about 80,000 copies of them out there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving on to the next part of this chapter, the final part of this chapter, which is called The National Socialist Platform. And this part is delicious. Which opens, off opens
1: with... With Hitler too, we see a dedicated socialist What? What? <laughs> uh,
0: who shortly after assuming the leadership of the German Workers' Party changed its name to National Socialist German Workers' Party because a name determines what you are, right? Yeah, exactly. Again, uh,
1: like this so, again, like let's let's talk about politics without playing, paying any attention to any policies.
0: Absolutely, absolutely and he starts off here. He writes uh, about the Nazi Party platform, the actual platform Mm -hmm. of the Nazi Party. Uh, The Nazi Party at the outset offered a 25-point program. And some of the things he writes in here that they included, nationalization of corporations and trusts, government control of banking and credit, prosecution of bankers and other lenders for usury, abolition of incomes unearned by work. Mm -hmm. Now, the next part right here, right after the very next paragraph, he says, and I love this part. If you read the Nazi platform without knowing its source, you could easily be forgiven for thinking you were reading the 2016 platform of the Democratic Party, or at least a Democratic platform drafted jointly by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth cool. Warren. Very cool. Very, very oh, cool. delicious. So, I went and looked up the actual Nazi party platform mm-hmm. from 1933, and here's a few things that it contains. Now I, mean, I want to know, who do you think this sounds more like? We demand the uniting of all Germans within one greater Germany on the basis of the right to self-determinations of the nation. Mm-hmm. That sounds very. We demand
1: that. Well, that mm-hmm. that
0: sounds very manifest destiny. Yes, it does. It very much does. Only nationals can be citizens of the state. Yep. Only persons of German blood can be nationals, regardless of religious affiliation. No Jew, therefore, can be a German national. Yep. Any person who is not a citizen will be able to live in Germany only as a guest and must be subject to legislation for aliens. Yep. Democrat. Very much Democrat. Very Democrat.
1: Extremely Democrat. Only
0: a citizen is entitled to decide the leadership and laws of the state. We therefore demand that only citizens may hold public office, regardless of whether it is a national, state, or local office. Yep. Democrats, Mm -hmm. right? Extremely. The Democrats who just, just had an illegal be put into a state office in California. Uh, uh we demand uh, let's that the state call them
1: illegals. Let's call them
0: I'm sorry. I in, in, uh, undocumented immigrant. I I do I step into those tropes yeah. because we're reading Dinesh. It's his fault. Yeah. It's his fault. That's true. We demand that the state make it its duty to provide opportunities of employment first for all of its own citizens. If it is not possible to maintain the entire population of the state, then foreign nationals are to be expelled from the Reich. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Definitely Democrats, right? We can agree with the Nash at this point. This is just screaming Democrat Mm -hmm. at me. Screaming Democrat at me. Uh, Point number eight any further immigration of non Germans is to be prevented. We demand that all non Germans who enter Germany after August 2nd, 1914, be forced to leave the Reich without delay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, At that point, that just. (laughs) Doesn't that just sound exactly like the fucking Republicans? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah That's yeah. how
0: funny this is. Is Dinesh comes out of reading this and saying this sounds just like the Democrats. Yeah. Just like the yeah. when he's the guy screaming to kick out all the fucking immigrants. Yeah.
1: Himself included. Like <laughs> Next point. The
0: nationalization of all enterprises already converted into corporations. Yeah, that one sounds pretty socialist. I'll give him that one. Could be. Uh profit sharing in large enterprises. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of socialist, yeah. yeah. Uh the large Nah? Ish. Profit sharing I mean, it depends inside. what you mean it
1: depends what you mean by that, but sure.
0: Uh, it's something that's been implemented in communist countries like China and mm-hmm. and Russia and so on. It's a normal thing. We demand the creation and maintenance of a sound middle class, the immediate communalization of the large department stores which are to be leased at low rates to small tradesmen. We demand the most careful consideration for the owners of small businesses in orders placed by national, state or community authorities. Again, that sounds, you know, a little a little socialist there,
1: a little mm-hmm. communitarian. Yeah, I uh, mean, it, it, it's populist, is what it is. So it's right, people yeah, saying exactly. whatever they can to get into office at the time when... Remember, this is between the wars in the lead-up to the Great Depression. Or presumably this is after the Great Depression. You said this was 32, this one?
0: There's 33. 33. This is 33.
1: So yeah, this is the years after the Great Depression, when obviously everyone fucking hates anyone with money. So mm-hmm. like obviously yep. the way to, to be populist at this time is to go, let's get the people with money out of here.
0: So we skip down a little bit because it's a a little bit more of that kind of stuff about businesses and whatnot. Uh, Point number 23, we demand the abolition of hireling troops and the creation of a national army. 23, we demand laws to fight against deliberate political lies and their dissemination by the press. In Uh, order to make it possible to create a German press, we demand, 1A, all editors and editorial employees of newspapers belonging, appearing in the German language, must be German by race. I see, the fake news media... (laughs) Mm-hmm. B. Non-German newspapers require express permission from the state for their publication. And next, newspapers which violate the public interest are to be banned. Ah. We demand who laws against the public against... interests. <laughs> we dem- Oh, here, here's their explanation. We demand laws against trends in art and literature which have a destructive effect on our national life and the suppression of performances that offend against the above requirements. Very good. Very very, good. very democratic, right? Yeah. And 24 we demand freedom for all religious denominations, provided that they do not endanger the existence of the state or offend the concepts of decency and morality of the Germanic race. Mm-hmm. Explained with, The party as such stands for positive Christianity without associating itself with any particular denomination. It fights against the Jewish materialistic spirit within and around us and is convinced that a permanent revival of our nation can only be achieved from within on the basis of public interest before mm-hmm. private interest. He had a little bit of a mix there. Right? A little bit of socialist and a little bit of that hardcore nationalist right wing. Populism. Bullshit. It's fucking populism. It's, it's really very much easy. populism. I know. I know. It's really know. easy I to explain. <laughs> anyway. So I leave it to you, the listener, to decide who that sounds more like. And you can Google this thing yourself. I left out a few points because you know, it's a lot to go through. and We don't want to waste a whole lot of time. But uh, I leave it to you to decide which one of those, which one of the American parties, that more sounds like uh, the right or the left. I I think I'm going to say it sounds a little bit like the right at yeah, the moment. Certainly. Anyway, it's, it's, the, yeah. the last the last big points he brings up in this uh, is again a person named Gregor Strasser. This is a, a argument that, of course hitler was socialist Mm -hmm. uh gregor strasser was a hardcore socialist who accused hitler of betraying socialism so hitler had him killed that's dinesh's argument that hitler was a socialist yeah i i can't
1: i can't i can't and but then also to close out the chapter he's like um, and Hitler couldn't govern this way. So Hitler too made a deal with the Vatican and attempted to appease Christians and needed the support of the Bavarian Catholics and Lutherans elsewhere in Germany. So he made a deal with, with the church and also needed big business, both to keep the German economy humming and simply to supply him with vast supplies of war materials yeah. that he knew would be he would need for inv- his invasions of Eastern Europe, France and Russia. So basically... To which! Like, <laughs> he ignores all the socialist things in his socialist <laughs> platform and does something completely different. But yeah, he's still a socialist, guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. To which Dinesh says, well, the same thing I hear from all the communists I know walking around town in or Brooklyn, the you meet some communists. You know, there's some of them out there. You know, they never really tried actual fascism. Yeah. They just never did because, you know, there was too much else going on and, and, you know, it just it turned into something else. It wasn't actual fascism.
1: But that that's like completely oh. against his argument because he's trying to say that the Democrats are Hitler. And then he's being like, oh, but they're like the fascism that was never really tried. So fascism, fascism, Hitler fascism.
0: Uh, anyway, so that is it for the end of this chapter. Thank uh, God. What did you think? What's your overall impression of chapter two? Ugh. Only
1: two chapters in. I know. so sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there are so oh, many chapters left. It's that, that one, I think you were right, is missing the point. Um, mm-hmm. It's.
0: No, no. This one was a masterclass in misrepren- mis- yeah, misrepresentation.
1: Yeah, and, and no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That, yeah, and I think I think that basically sums it up. It's a lot of uh, a lot of it's... misleading quotations and uh, half half facts, which on the surface of things look quite tempting, but as soon as you look into them at all, they're bullshit. Basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you it you have to accept Dinesh's straw man.
1: To agree with his argument. Yeah, it's all like, if you accept my premise, I'm right, which is like, no, but your premise is dumb. So. Yeah. Because the vast majority of this chapter
0: was what we've talked about already that Dinesh says the left is all about big government. That's it. That's the end of the story. Yeah. And if you accept that, then yeah, you can see comparisons there. You can also see comparisons with other governments that are not fascists. You can see that comparisons between the left and these uh, uh, religious, uh, like Iran, for example. Yeah. Right? a uh, a theocracy or things like that, where it's just a huge uh, central government. But that's not, that's not the full. Yeah. The thing is
1: the right wing in America, it kind of has become it, but the right wing is not the same as being like, we would prefer there to be no government. That's not what right wing means. The right wing is associated. Literally he covered this. The right wing is associated with reactionary politics and trying to stop change from happening. That's what the right wing means in its original French revolution context. Protection of the status quo. Which he knows because he wrote about Mm -hmm. it, but then he pretends that's not the case.